Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Previously on Free Range Idiocy, the Cylons were created by man. They rebelled. They evolved. They look and feel human. Some are programmed to think they are human. Perhaps even podcast hosts. There are many copies, and they have a plan. So now, dear listeners, as Galactica and its ragtag fleet ventured across the cosmos, so have we voyaged through season upon season of the single greatest television show to ever grace the galaxy, and now find ourselves much like that grand ship orbiting our final destination. You know, the good one, and not that burned-out cinder where Ty took a swim. It's now time for their final five to be ri- What? Wait, wait, excuse me, what? We only have four shows. Well, that's kind of inconvenient. I mean, sp- the final five was part of the show. So we only got four. <sighs> That's going to suck, I'm telling you. Uh, okay, fine, I'll continue. So now, it's time for us to reveal our final four episodes from Battlestar Galactica in this episode 99, All Along the Bracket. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who once discovered the secret of resurrection, but then stayed up too late playing Civilization and completely forgot to write it down. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and has now condemned the human race to certain doom. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? You know, I'm doing all right. And yourself, sir? I am well. I am doing well. That's that's good. I, I'm always glad. Oh, well, not complain. They, that's good because I don't really want to listen to it anyways. All right. <laughs> and he immediately goes away from the mic. Understandable. Screw you, I'm going home. I'm, I'm trying to muck the settings here. They're they're all screwed up. They're what all screwed you, up. What are you doing over there, sir? We take one week off, and you uh, all of a sudden like, <laughs> oh, which end of the microphone do I talk into? What What is this computer? What is this thing? It's a mouse. Ah! What am I doing? <laughs> Did I well, just poop my pants? Normally, I can hear myself in my headphones, and I can't. So now everything sounds softer. You know, I have to, like, talk louder, and so, of course, I'm going to probably keep keep the household up while we do this but that's well, all right you normally do that anyways <sighs> anywho but uh <laughs> yeah it's 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 been a minute into or or two since we've we've last chatted and and pontificated and 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 revelated and and debated and now we're we're back at it my friend so i yeah, i yes. am rejuvenated and looking forward to the uh, adjudication if you will of these the final four of our bsg bracket Oh my gosh, the Nipsey Russell routine. I just I forgot how much got it written down on my legal pad. <laughs> oh my gosh. You had that written down? That was scripted? No, not the whole thing. Just just the words. I just I wove them together in some sort of masterful sort of narrative. But anyways. You know, I thought you were like the Mick Foley of uh of, of promos here. Never write a thing down. Just go from your gut. Go from your soul. And here you have notes. Oh an illusion shattered. 
Well, you know, when when trying to do the Nipsey Russell, I, I was stalling out after word two, so I at least had to you know write down four or five to at least make it sound somewhat interesting. So okay, yeah. well, fair enough. Before we get into our topic at hand, we do have a little something that we like to call the Week in Geek. It's a uh, little bits and bobbles and fits and foibles of information and other geek-like substances and news that not quite ready for its own episode, but we like to address it in a little something we call the Week in Geek. However, before we do that, we do have another sponsor. This episode of Week Geek is sponsored by Chris Rock's Iron Chin. When there's an award show you need to host and the chance of someone walking out on stage to seek re- revenge for a joke, you need more than just a stiff upper lip. You need Chris Rock's Iron Chin. Debuting in 2022 with three strengths, regular Will Smith and Mike Tyson. For those nights when you really want to cut loose but still be standing after a good hard slap, turn the other cheek with Chris Rock's Iron Chin. Can we help Steven get a peek? Oh, jeez. And here I thought we were going to be an oasis from all of that. (laughs) Go figure. We take a week off and the slap heard around the world happens. Will Smith decides to to lose his mind and and we're nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be found. We would have been right on time for that, to be right in the middle of it. And yet, no, we were... We were sitting at home. Oh, well. Can I just say, how much stuff can happen in the one week we decided to take off? Okay. <laughs> a whole lot. Everything. Everything happened. You have that. And then on the other hand, sadly enough, you have the passing of Taylor Hawkins, which you're yes. just like, what the heck happened? You know, it just kind of came out of nowhere. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's just so. yeah, ruinous. Absolutely ruinous. And then, of course, I I, I was even loath to mention the, the Chris Rock, Will Smith thing, just because it was so so overplayed i'm like we do realize there's other things going on in the world far more important than this right we we, we all do realize that right mm-hmm. but i think that's part of the coping mechanism mechanism of humanity is we we look at the small and in, insignificant stuff to have to stop from thinking like hey world war three is right around the corner sweet yeah you know eh, no. whatever but yeah so anyways what do we got for the uh, week <laughs> talk about a transition there how about what else we got for the week in geek here sir well other than talking about how our show is you know apparently the fulcrum upon which all reality is balanced upon um, <laughs> <laughs> well we already knew that we already knew that we 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 did have a uh, a, a debut uh, that did take place while we were off. Uh, and ah, that, yes, and that would be uh, on the Disney Plus. Uh, we have Moon Knight uh, that mm. that started off uh, this past Wednesday, and I uh, just thought we'd just uh, get a couple uh, reactions, hot takes, if you will, from from yours truly and, and Uncle Todd on uh, our thoughts on the show. It was it 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 was kooky. It was funny. It was. Uh, uh, you know, it's I, I always love how Marvel just seems to continue to find ways to throw other curveballs at us and, and, and just new ways of, of storytelling. So uh, with that, uh, sir, uh, what were your thoughts on the, uh, you know, initial episode of Moon Knight? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great, uh, a great introduction for the character. Um, I thought the cold open with Ethan Hawke's character was was very well done. Like, kind of sets you up right off the bat with the antagonist rather than the protagonist, mm. and which is very fitting for a show where even the protagonist doesn't understand exactly who in the hell he is uh, at the beginning of the show, which I thought was great. Um, I think Oscar Isaacson has been just fantastic in this. Uh, he's 
managing to pull off that whole character and then also discovering more about himself. I thought it was really well done. And um, I think anybody who is, a, I mean, I had one Facebook friend who happened to, to say that he thought it was the, the best debut of a Marvel show Ever yet, and I'm like, eh, I don't know about that, but it mm. was it was really well done, I think. It, very um, unique, very unique. Yeah, which is what what Marvel has done a really good job of mm. since they've started putting stuff on the on the plus is finding a way for each show to have its own identity right off the bat. Like you, you instantly know when you're watching WandaVision. You instantly know when you're watching, uh, you know. Falcon and Winter Soldier, you you know what's you, you kind of get that that vibe right away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh and they again they did it with this. Like you're you're it's a very different sort of show. Mm. And and I, I I dug it a lot. I, I really enjoyed it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And how about yourself, sir? Yeah. Uh basically very you know, very very similar thoughts. Um liked how uh yeah, like like the the cold open with with the the glass and the feet and 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 yeah. and the uncomfortable and the awkward and and just being like oh ah e. I think um, you're going. I think you're underselling it when you're saying uncomfortable. Why don't you go ahead and break a glass and pour half oh, into one of your shoes? Jeez, well, watching that foot go into the shoe, I was just mm. like, at, even at forty six years old, you just kind of like I I can't watch it. Just stop it. <laughs> It's like, mm-hmm. ow. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, Professor Frank from The Simpsons. You know, just like, yeah. oh, my yeah. gosh. Um, but, uh, no, Oscar Isaac was, you know, of course, at, at his always best. And, and Did just, I say Oscar Isaacson? Uh, no, I thought you said Oscar. I, you might have said Isaacson. And I, I just, think I said Isaacson. It's Isaac. Is it Oscar it's Isaac? It's Oscar Isaacs. Yep. I don't know why I did that. But, but oh, you well. know, phenomenal. Sorry, Oscar. Phenomenal acting job, and uh, you know, just just playing the, those those two sides. I, I, I'm I'm interested to see. Uh, I I kind of feel like we have more than one voice kind of going on in his head because there's that initial voice that sounds like uh, uh, I can't think of the actor's name, but he he was the the, the nasty teacher in um, uh, what was it called Whiplash? Um, I can't think of, and he played J Jonah Jameson in the Spider Man. Well, movies. no, it's not J K Simmons. It's uh, it's F Murray Abraham. Oh, okay, but the yeah, the voice that was like you know, oh, the idiots, you know, <laughs> yeah. taken over. Like yeah, yeah. which just... I really, I really enjoy how we as the audience get no more information than that character has yeah. as he's going along. Like it just cuts out, and then we come back right when he comes back, and we have no idea how in the hell he just killed that dude, and how he <laughs> you just see him right. fall off the back of the van, like yep. all the like it just comes back. Now he's driving backwards. Like there's something about that that is kind of refreshing that you're not getting all the information right off the bat, and I yeah, it, it, yeah. and especially like even when he's looking up at the castle, and he's waving, and then the guy waves at him before he starts to shoot at him. Like it's just such an awkward thing, but it fits that character so perfectly. Uh-oh. It does, yeah. So, sorry, you'll have to edit that out because I was messing around with my controls again. Sorry. <laughs> No, I'm not editing that out. I'm keeping that in. Uh, I am keeping that in. Well, folks, now you get to see how the sausage is made. So, you know what? They've been eating the sausage this long. I mean, 99 episodes. They're pretty sure that it's it's nothing but you know tails and hoofs and Indeed. whatnot. Indeed. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I I I think this was a great you know introduction, and like you said, uh, it's it's. Uh, 
you know, it, it's funny. I've been watching on YouTube, you know, there's more and more clips of, of Dune, you know, kind of popping up from the, the movie that came out in the fall and, um, and, and just the, the masterful storytelling that happened with that movie. And, and, and like you said, you know, they're, like they're not over explaining things. You're, you're just seeing things happen and you're just, you're going along for the ride and you're going to learn as you go. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of, uh, you know, good storytelling at its best, you know, with, with, with that sort of, um, approach, uh, you know, when, when you get into a place where things are over explained, it gets a little long in the tooth and, and, you know, kind of kills the, uh, the, I, I think the magic of, of what's going on on screen. And so I, I really like the fact that it's, you know, just kind of this slow roll introduction into what's going on with him. And, you know, we don't get full answers and, and just that ending shot of, of, you know, him as Moon Knight just kind of walking into the camera was was very reminiscent of the uh, of, of one of the BSG. I think it's uh, season two, episode one, uh, when when the Raider crashes into uh, Galactica and you have the Cylons walking off the uh, the Raider yes. and just right yep. into the camera. Uh, very, very similar shot. So I. I right into your living room ladies it, and gentlemen indeed indeed so so yeah yeah overall i think it was a very solid outing uh for its debut and i'm excited to see where uh this this bad boy takes us yeah and i think the 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 other side of that is and i've i haven't heard a uh, whole lot because honestly i haven't i haven't read a whole lot on on moon night reactions and all that i think the, the reaction is is overall positive but you know that there's going to be some negativity out there always and, and because there was there was people who didn't like wandavision there's people who didn't like you know uh, falcon who were a soldier they you know they just ah no nah, this blah 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 and it's like some people you're just not going to please and i think that at a certain point too like you have to understand like it it is just entertainment Mm-hmm. You know, sort of like when people were mm-hmm. were kind of poo pooing e- Eternals, like it's it's just a movie. Like it, it doesn't have to change your life. It's okay. It's okay if you just walk in, you see it, and you're like, hey, that was fun, and that's it. It's it's okay. Yep. It's okay. Yep. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm I'm looking forward to the to the next episodes, and uh, now I've I've found myself going from like. At a point where I was watching, like, I had no shows going on. I had no things to, to keep track of. To now I've got, like, multiple shows that I'm trying to keep track of and, and stay up to date on. And it's it's driving me nuts now because I'm, I'm so not of that existence anymore. Like, must-see TV is, is way, 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 way in my rearview mirror. And now I'm like, crap, <laughs> i got to stay up <laughs> my shows. <laughs> I got my stories. Yeah. Oh, it's it's it's. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. And yes, I am oh, old. Man. I am old. Oh well, but yeah, Indeed I'm looking we forward are, to that. Sir. One. Indeed, we are. All right. Well, uh, we will swing away from Moon Knight and over into the land of uh, Doctor Who and the roving telephone box that is called the TARDIS. <laughs> Uh, we have a, an article, uh, unearthed by uncle Todd, uh, not, not the man they call Tim. This is, this is his contribution to the week in geek. Uh, but a, uh, a familiar actress to us all. Uh, if you're familiar with the Marvel universe, Karen Gillen, if I said it correctly, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, very interested in a potential doctor who return, uh, in parentheses with the right co-stars. So, um, Kind of the the anti Star Trek situation 
<laughs> where it's been sprung upon them, and they're like, "All right, yeah, why not?" Um, in this oh, case, they're gonna make another one. No one's ever called me. That's great, and it's starting to shoot like next month. Really? Oh well, that's gonna be an interesting negotiation. Oh, good lord! But uh, but yeah. So apparently, uh, Karen Gillan was uh, in 2010 uh, kind of plucked out of obscurity and brought into uh, Doctor Who alongside the Eleventh Doctor, one Matt Smith, mm-hmm. and so she uh, was discussing recently an interest in getting back into uh, that world if the right opportunity presented itself, um, you know, especially if it's with uh, Matt Smith again. Um, so it, it was just kind of an interesting article from sci-fi.com uh, where she uh, talks about, uh, you know, just, just that her time with the, uh, with the franchise and then, uh, you know, her, her coming back for a short cameo in 2013, but how that kind of launched her into other, other areas like Jumanji and Guardians of the Galaxy uh, and so forth. So uh, just uh, an, an interesting little uh, blurb uh, from someone who we ha- probably haven't heard from in a little bit here, not since uh, Marvel had its uh, Avengers Endgame final outing. Um, but what, what are your thoughts, sir, on uh, one Miss Karen Gillian moving uh, back into the Doctor Who universe? I'd be all for it. I'd, I mean, I... I, 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 oh my gosh, I can't remember his name now. Um, Doctor, I, now I got to, now I've got to try and. Dr. Shivago. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Um, oh, what I'm going to, let's see here. Um, what was the guy's name? Tom Baker. Tom Baker. Ah, uh, um, there we go. So he was like, I don't remember which number doctor he would be. Um, but back in the 80s, when uh, I started watching like, uh, whatever not uh, pbs or whatever and mm-hmm. they would have all the british shows and stuff and you would you would catch stuff there i w- that was kind of my first introduction to doctor who it was tom baker the dude with the scarf and that was my doctor cuz that was i watched that was just always seemed to be those shows were on when i would watch when i would catch them you know it was always his version of the doctor um and then kind of didn't watch Doctor Who for a while and then when I started watching again Matt Smith was the doctors and and oddly enough kind of Matt Smith replaced Tom Baker as my doctor because I got I got back mm. into the show in a big bad way during Matt Smith's run and I thought he was an, an incredible Doctor Who and was just wacky and 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 was also kind of like you know, managed to not do the doctor who's always kind of like this kind of weird character because he can kind of seem, I don't want to say nefarious, but, um, like, uh, dangerous, you know, the people and, and for the people around him, because they, it doesn't usually fare that well for him. The doctor can regenerate, but the people around him, not so much because, you know, they'll just get squashed like an intergalactic bug from time to time. But, um, but it was also because of, Karen Gillan and as Amy Pond that I really got into the show because it was just her energy on screen and her personality and that character on screen was just like I just wanted to see that character more and more and I just thought she was great and and I forget the actor's name uh, who played her boyfriend Rory and and it was this weird little triangle between the three of them Mm. you know and all the way through and and that was also the time when uh the showrunner really did a lot of these like long arc stories and, and just the way that 
Amy Pond and Rory's story arc finished was very emotional, which is, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, it was really well done, I think. Yeah. And um, I would be all for that. And I can totally see why it would be, you know, it has to be with Rory, it has to be with, with Matt Smith, because those three really go together, you know? They, they were always, they were almost inseparable. That, like, once, after a certain period of time, uh, and Amy Pond was part of the show, like, then Rory became part of the show, and then it was just the three of them, and it had to be the three of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would I I think I think it would be a great thing. I don't think it would happen long term, but I mean they've in Doctor Who, it's almost it's almost as much as like, you know, in any other franchise, there is so much more opportunity for an actor to come back in Doctor Who because you're dealing with time and all these weird things mm-hmm. and just stuff happens, you know. Uh and it's 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 great when it does because you you get weird things like uh, you know, different doctors interacting and and even Tom Baker managed to to come out of retirement and and play a part in one of the the later Matt Smith episodes and it was and it was touching it was wonderful it was great um so I'm Gosh. I'm all for that I don't know if it would happen uh but I've got my fingers crossed for it for certain very cool very cool well we hope to see Miss Gillian uh Gillen Darn it, I wrote it the wrong way on our notes, so I said I'm it the wrong you, way. I'm telling you, she's going to mess you up, man. Oh, I, she, man. <laughs> you've seen her. She does dance fighting in Jumanji, so you better yeah. watch out. Oh, you yeah. hear music, uh, just run. Just run. Good Lord. Well, we, we hope to see a reunion of sorts in the Doctor Who universe between those mm. parties. Uh, and then finally, um, and, and yes, for those wondering uh, what happened to Star Wars Red 5, well, quite frankly, the man they call Tim... Uh, Totally forgot about putting it together today. So much to Uncle Todd's celebratory nature and tone. He probably sounds like he has a little, uh, you know, bounce in his step. And that is because he is uh, not required tonight to partake in the Star Wars Red 5. We will bring that back. We will have a 100th episode extravaganza, I promise you, uh, next episode uh, for that. I'm telling you, folks, prayers actually do get answered. I've been... (laughs) Praying fervently <laughs> that that but, book would just spontaneously combust, <laughs> and I didn't get that one, but close enough. I, I'm I'm taking what I can. <laughs> oh goodness! But uh, yeah, uh, this past weekend WrestleMania, uh, WWE having its uh, weekend extravaganza. Since I use that word. The showcase of the immortals. No less than five minutes. And yes, the showcase. Not so much so in some oh, cases. Good, good lord. <laughs> well, if if you are a fan of this show and have listened to us for quite some time, you will know that in the past we have done some. Uh, we've done a couple WrestleMania review episodes, and we did not do one this year because, uh, quite frankly, we are both unenthused and uh, just not uh, tightly uh, engaged with the. Uh, current crop of stories and uh, characters that that uh, Vince and company are putting forth in the product. Mm. However, however, uh, after saying all that, Tim's going to talk about it for the next twenty minutes. So buckle up, Buttercup. The Here man they call no, no, not twenty minutes. This will be quick. The man they call Tim uh, mm-hmm. does still retain his uh, account with uh, the Peacock Network, and was uh, browsing around and saw that there was. Uh, uh, WrestleMania Part One on Saturday night, and so I I took in uh, a a 
a, just a really well done match between uh, Seth Rollins and his mystery opponent, uh, former AEW superstar and uh, returning back into the fold, Cody Rhodes, uh, full full garb, full American Nightmare character uh, that he had in uh, in uh, AEW, and uh, and it was very cool to see the reaction. I was kind of curious to see if anyone if if he would get um, kind of the reactions he was getting in AEW, which was quite honestly a chorus of boos. Um, and, uh, and, and the place just erupted when his music hit and it was, it was just very cool, uh, you know, to see him come back and get that kind of, uh, accolade and, and then to see him and Rollins put on just an absolute clinic of a match was just incredible. Uh, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to be a steamboat savage sort of comparison, but, uh, because rarely are matches that good, but, but this, Mm. this was well done. And, uh, both, both guys just laid it all out, uh, you know, for, for the audience, uh, with, with Rhodes coming out on top, um, even busting out a good old dusty Rhodes spinning bionic elbow from back in the day. Oh, Uh, nice. Oh, it was, it was fantastic. Um, um, and just some incredible maneuvers. I mean, just, just, I mean, Rollins, you, you know, he brings the a game every match and, and, you know, this, this one was no exception. So, uh, so that was, that, that was very cool. And then I did watch, uh, the replay on Sunday of, uh, the return of Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, supposedly for the Kevin Owens show, uh, which was really just some sort of vehicle to get them into some sort of brawly kind of match that, I mm-hmm. guess was Steve Austin's last match because there was a referee involved. Um, but I will say the most impressive uh, spot of that match was uh, Steve Austin at 50 you know, plus years old um, uh, taking a full on suplex onto the concrete floor. Uh, what? They, they brawled out into the crowd and Kevin Owens suplexed him uh, right onto the concrete uh, floor of the walkway uh, near the crowd. And, uh, Austin was wearing a shirt, so I don't know if he had some padding underneath there or not. But my goodness, that he took the full brunt of that. And uh, I'm gonna it, guess he has to, because that he's had. I mean, neck problems is not the word for what he's got. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, dude, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, it, it it was a it was a pretty well it was a very well done brawl. Um, I, I did say to Uncle Todd though that, um, understandably, uh. You know Austin's timing a little bit uh, on the slow side uh, at times. Um, what what do you expect? I mean, the man's been away for 19 years and has mm-hmm. aged that amount as well. And so, uh, but but still, it was still an entertaining brawl between the two. Uh, Ko, uh, you know, Kevin Owens just selling the bejesus out of everything. I mean, it was so it was so fun to watch him. Uh, you know, Austin just breaks out a, a, a clothesline and he's he's doing the old flip flipper Rooney. You know, like when he lands. I mean, just mm-hmm. makes it looked like a million bucks uh but in the end it was a uh, errant placed uh, t- uh chair shot to the top rope that that ricocheted back into kevin owens head and stunned him for uh stone cold to get the opening to land the stunner uh and and put him away one two three and then to proceed to pound about 12 beers uh afterwards of course. So, oh my gosh uh, so that, that that was entertaining. And then uh, last night I I had to because I'm a sucker for any sort of title unification bout. And we had one with uh, Brock Lesnar 
versus Roman Reigns for the 15th time uh, on this planet. And uh, sadly, this one was a bit of a letdown for for such a a promoted match. Um, I was expecting there to be, uh, you know, a, a crescendo of action and 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 you know just a a really well done ending to it. Uh, maybe having Reigns look a little more of a, a dominant champion than he has in the past with uh, with his matches with Lesnar, but. No, it was more of the same, and Lesnar just, you know, suplexed the bejesums out of him, and then, uh, and then finally, uh, Reigns just blew, you know, just popped off a, a spear out of nowhere, and pins him, and that was the match, and there, that was it. I, I was just kind of like, really, that's that's how you finish your title unification about a yeah. pin out of nowhere. Um, the the w- only way that actually works with that many matchups, and I didn't realize they they fought that many times but well i, I made mean, 15 I'm, I'm making up it was probably i oh. think they've done reigns has I, done six wrestlemania main events and i think four or five of them have been with lesnar okay but i mean regardless of i mean if they faced each other that many times the only way that works especially the and the way it, it would have been beautiful to work in terms of a unification bout would have been that say like one of the stipulations is whoever wins like there's no return match there's no comeback and by the way for the next two years Mm -hmm. you can't fight me right which would have which would have at least then made it interesting for for lesnar to to then have to chase but use using proxies and trying to like worm his way in that could have been intrigue and 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 that sort of thing or or even in the reverse direction where you have roman reigns playing a very calculating you know mastermind sort of character if he had lost then having to try and find his way to to get the titles Mm. and it could have it could have been much more but no we don't take that we're just oh it's a match and oh and a spear out of nowhere and that's it. Like, yeah, it, it, it's not taking that next step. It's right. very it's lazy storytelling, lazy booking. And it's like, you know, the whole just looking at the card for this whole weekend. I was not tempted in the least to renew my Peacock <laughs> membership. And that's like what? I mean, it's like seven. It's like eight bucks. Right. It's under ten bucks. It's yeah. less than what a, what an old school pay-per-view would have cost. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I mean, I could have just I could have re- popped that back on for the weekend and then just watched the show and and I wasn't even tempted for that because yeah. I looked at it and and I I was listening to a, a, a one of a Corny's uh, bits on YouTube and he he made an excellent point. He's like, you know, once upon a time, you know, when they had uh you know the the Von Erics and this and that, they had a they had a, a a match that needed a stadium. And he says, and after you have that match that needs a stadium, then every year after that you have a stadium that needs a match. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with WrestleMania. At one point, you needed two nights because you had so many big, you had two main events and you had so many other big matches. So you, you split up over two nights. You know, I'm sure money factored into it. But now that's the expectation every year. Now you have to come up with a card for the two nights. You have a stadium. You're, you're, you're announcing for, you know, your football stadiums now. You got to have a two nighter. And just judging by what was on you know on tap they don't know how to book two nights of compelling wrestling because they right. didn't have the US title they didn't have the intercontinental title defended whatsoever which is ridiculous those are your two secondary belts below your two heavyweight champion belts like the two biggest belts that you're unifying you don't have anything below there you i think you had what both of the men's tag titles were defended but they were both in like three ways and then in the in the over in women's territory, you have what Ronda Rousey and, and Flair, and then you had uh, 
Bianca Belair and, and, and Becky Lynch. I don't know how any of those matches go. But then you've got some of your other, your other biggest female stars are not even involved in those. You've got them slammed into one tag match. Right. That, that kind of was, uh, from, from the appearance of it, was kind of meh. I mean, you're, you're just... And then you've got your two celebrity-ish matches... And and I, to me, it's just like you're you're wasting a bunch of time here that you could actually do something with the players that you've got. Like you're paying all these people money to be wrestlers, and yet you've got Johnny Knoxville out there. Yep. And I get it. Like it, okay, entertainment tie-in, blah 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 blah. But you ain't got nobody else out there, like. You ain't got anyone else that can come in and do some stuff. I mean, you couldn't have booked this thing a little bit better. Like it's it's just to me, it's it's ridiculous. It really is. Yeah. And and it it, it it's not surprising to me. Like the one thing that I thought, the one thing that I've seen from, and I just I was just watching this before we got on here. You're talking about uh, you know Owen selling for Austin. The sell of the night was Austin Theory selling the stunner. From Stone Cold because he was rock esque in his cell in his cell of the stunner because Rock always Dwayne Johnson always went over the top like way over the top when it, when he would mm-hmm. get stunned Austin Theory actually might have outdone the Rock his cell on the stunner go ahead and I, I don't know did you see that at all no I actually didn't see that okay go go and go and look that one up and you t- you tell me afterwards on next week if if you believe that he outdid the rock because to me it was it was it was phenomenal it was a beautiful thing nice <laughs> it, it ridiculousness like the man nice. managed to take the stunner did like two flips like two flops flips and then spun himself out of the ring it was amazing I was like <laughs> the physics involved here I haven't seen anything like that since Wiley e. coyote it's crazy uh, but that was and that's you know I didn't have to pay one red cent for that it was on YouTube so mm-hmm. I'm feeling pretty good about that but yeah well, there you sad go. sad sad. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, and then uh, I, I'd be remiss if I did not mention on Friday evening, uh, there was the Hall of Fame ceremony, which I have yet to uh, take in. But of note, uh, The Undertaker uh, was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, as well as the Steiner Brothers, uh, Queen Charmel, uh, Booker T's wife, uh, hmm. and uh, Vader uh, was also um inducted as well so yeah, uh, partial namesake of the man they called him because that was a uh, vader's gimmick the, that's the right and they call vader it's time it's time it's vader time no it's not even that cool like well <laughs> yeah it's time. i mean you could barely understand it you could barely it's like is he does he have asthma what's going on is he choking <laughs> and if he's choking like that could be like half of a pig that he's choking on like could i don't be. we need like five people in order to do the heimlich maneuver on leon because i mean you can't quite get around him like they that's re- it they could have recorded that while he was you know down in some barbecue you know so <laughs> actually it's probably waffle house let's well, let's be honest that's right. true that's true <laughs> but uh but yeah order is up it's time it's <laughs> <his> order <laughs> 
<laughs> and now we know where Vader time came from. <laughs> Uncle just, Todd just, has revealed this, re- revealed the secrets of Big Van Vader. I just picture like one of those, like the trays, like someone who used to wait tables, you have the big old gigantic tray that you can put like eight plates on. Like they just use that as Leon's plate. And yep. they came out with like waffles and pancakes and bacon and sausage and grits and everything just piled high on it. And he just sat there and just inhaled it as Cornette sat there drinking a Sprite after Sprite <laughs> after Sprite. Cheeseburger after cheeseburger. The two of them. Can you imagine those two in a car together after a meal like that? Like oh, the, boy. the gaseous emissions. Like it, you couldn't yeah. even see it in the car. It's just green fog inside oh, the car. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and just and corny cussing as he goes down the highway. Uh, you know what? I want I want that. You know, forget Young Rock. I want that as a TV show. I just want the <laughs> Adventures of Uncle Corny and Vader. Somebody oh. get me on the. Somebody get NBC on the phone right now. I've got mm-hmm. a new show. He does, Uncle Todd. Book I'm it. telling you, it's just money. It's just money waiting to be made. Indeed. Anyways, what were we talking about again? I've I've completely lost where we oh, are no, in the show. No. So we're we're wrapping it up now. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, so that was the WrestleMania weekend update. Uh, brought to you by. The Week in Geek. Which was brought to you by Chris Rock's Iron Chin. Give me can a little ha ha. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, can we get Stevie a peek, please? Can we get uh, Stevie a peek and a, and, a, and a jab combo? That's what we need. Good Lord. <laughs> you know what? I have never, oh. ever, ever thought even even thought about scalp getting scalp tickets for a comedy show, mm-hmm. but Chris Rock was playing in Boston. Ah, that's like right. Thursday that's and Friday after, like immediately following the Academy Awards, and I was like, you know, night one, I I just I kind of want to be there to see what the first mm-hmm. what the first half hour of that show is. Like, is he just going out there and going, you know, I've got I've got my bits all done, but. Now I got a few things I got to get off my chest tonight. Like this is a one time only, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Interesting. I, I think the I think what happened was he came out. He's like, so how is your weekend? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, that's exactly what he did. I think. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh boy. Anywho, well, thank you, sir, for all of that, uh, all of that digging and all of that yes, uh, cultivating of the weekend geek. Certainly appreciate it. Which brings us now to. Yeah. Our final four. This is it, folks. We are getting down to cutting time here at uh, at Free Range EDC. We have been going through the past four episodes, four regions, ladies and gentlemen, 65 episodes of television that we have whittled down now to the final four episodes for each of us. My sweet God. And it only took about 83 hours of podcasts in order to get there. If you're feeling extraordinarily brave, go back and and listen to all of those. I can't promise that you'll be entertained, but you'll probably feel sorry for our families for having to be around us as much as they are after listening to us for that amount of time. However, here are the final four for both of us. We have Lay Down Your Burdens and Blood on the Scales, Crossroads and Bastille day for the man they call tim mm-hmm. and for uncle todd we have you can't go home again acts of contrition maelstrom and someone to watch over for me uh someone to watch over me uh, and that is it so uh, no, someone to watch over for where they're <laughs> to know. me 
I'm already, I'm just thinking about how long this show is going to take and I'm already tired in advance. That's what's happening. My brain's just instantly like, you know what? You're on your own for this one. I, so, I can't, uh, I've done enough for you. So if, if, if I could jump in with, with just a little uh, statistical information for, for those at home. Um, oh my so, gosh. What, what do we have now? So for Uncle Todd, uh, as we have joked about and, and uh, discussed uh, across these last four episodes, uh, he has uh, three uh, no, I'm sorry. Four episodes. Uh, all of all of his final four are uh, Katie Sackoff uh, Starbuck centered stories. So, if you feel uh, the ground beneath you shaking as you continue to listen to this story, this show, do understand that the universe may be collapsing upon itself because he is going to have to make a decision. Yeah. Now, on the other side, with my picks, I have two uh, two part season finales which is probably a little unfair but i didn't realize this at the time when i uh concocted all of this i i do have each of my uh four come from a different season of the show so i have a season one a season two a season three and a season four mm-hmm. i have the potential much like uncle todd well it's not a potential it's an eventuality uh to have a final that could be the what i like to refer to as the alpha zeric versus the omega zeric meaning i have the debut of of tom zeric that could face off against the demise of tom zeric <laughs> so i i just want to say we we just have some interesting matchups here ladies and gentlemen uh between yeah. uncle todd and i to decide upon to adjudicate to debate and finally to uh decide and uh come to some sort of conclusion on yeah the uh I just realized as I was going through this last night that I have two Starbuck crashing episodes. Ah, so very nice. In, in Act of Contrition and in Maelstrom, Starbucks, Starbuck uh, buys the farm. Although in one, she really buys the farm. In the other one, it's just, oh, well, I'll just... I'm just going to grab this Raider and take off out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way this mm-hmm. would have worked out even better is if I had, I had managed to then have uh, uh, Daybreak in there which we didn't because we didn't allow that but mm-hmm. then you would have the 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 almost death the death and then the disappearance of of Kara Thrace <laughs> all in play <laughs> it, it, it would have been it would have been that would have rent this the universe into in into right there indeed uh, but yes yeah, a very interesting thing so uh, as as we've said before just a quick little ground rules here we did exclude the miniseries and the finale mm. from the our rankings from our, our show as well as razor and the plan just because it didn't feel right to have those included or in the case of the miniseries and the finale to try and match those up against other episodes because even the two parters it doesn't even calculate like the you're just dealing with way too much storytelling in those and those are kind of their own thing so we took those out of the equation completely uh we had all two part episodes were combined into a single episode so we can get this down to a manageable number we did have a play-in game uh in in uh region three so if you want to go back and listen to that uh hoot that was interesting but it was a barn so had, burner it was a barn yeah, burner ladies and gentlemen the the stealth uh play-in game because we had hero going up mm-hmm. against flight of the phoenix as a matter mm-hmm. of fact so two stealth fighters again the parallels were just uh, amazing here in the uh, in the bsg bracket uh but now we have finally gotten to our final four, and we are going to determine which episode is the bestest of them all for both of us, which is very weird. I've, I, I don't know about you, but I found that this has been an interesting exercise because it's not like you can just go through and just pick 
your favorites. Like we've had to have mm-hmm. these matchups through the bracket, so it makes it that much more interesting because there's, you know, there's somewhere you're like, oh wow, I wouldn't have like I don't know if I would have necessarily picked all four of these as my favorite. Yeah, but with the way the bracket fell, like that's just kind of how it worked, you know. Um, it's and shocking especially to like, me. It's yeah. shocking to me that thirty three did not make it this far. Like for yeah. as much as you and I gush over that episode and feel like it is like a masterpiece of television and storytelling, it didn't make it because it it was in such a competitive bracket <laughs> that we had well, to yeah. make some tough choices, and sadly that that one had to uh, fall to the wayside, unfortunately. Well, and it's also the difference between what is uh, technically great and what is um, what is emotionally weighty for you. Um, and ultimately, some of this and a lot of this comes down to emotion and what you I what you know, I think both of us have kind of grabbed a hold of and, and glommed onto with these episodes. And 33, I still maintain, is quite possibly the greatest debut, you know, episode for a series and it, 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 it had a helping hand because when you have an entire miniseries as a setup, but 33 was an amazing episode because it threw you right into the action. It got you, you know, put you in this situation and it, it raised the stakes from what had been an Armageddon event, like, which is tough to do. Mm. Like you, you're actually managing to raise stakes from, Hey, guess what? The, almost the entire human race has been wiped out. Well, how do you get more stakes than that? Well, let me show you. Um, so you get into this, that made it remarkable oh wait a minute we have a special guest on the podcast for the first time ever katie sackoff uh no it would be my wife who ah there we go uh, she has never listened to any of the episodes (laughs) but she might actually be able to to contribute something here i'm not your demographic Thanks, honey. Uh, Appreciate it. That is go. lovely. But she brought me treats, so all is forgiven. There we go. Oh, cheese bread. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Mrs. Uncle Todd. Very nice. Very nice. Anywho. Um, <laughs> the door shuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we out. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's technically great, but ultimately, when you put it up against other episodes or just what you what resonated emotionally... Yeah. It, it's it you have to make a choice and and as right. great as that episode is from a technical standpoint it just didn't quite weigh out against some of the other emotional uh aspects that i i personally had to make choices about yeah i agree i agree mm. oh i got i got cheesy garlic bread <laughs> so good that's great <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful! Mm, I have to oh, listen to so this guy like lip smacking, uh, you know, all the. Uh, oh my gosh, that one bite garlic, like, this cheese. It had like a, it has like a half a stick of butter in that one bite. Oh my gosh! <laughs> did, you, did your heart palpitate? <laughs> no, but my cholesterol just shot up eighty points just from licking it. Oh, <laughs> oh dear! Wow, well, I guess well, that was well, amazing. While Uncle Todd is is uh, yeah. going forth and 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 eating his cheesy garlic bread, uh, 
I, I thought we would just uh, briefly cover as well the the themes for uh, for for each bracket. I believe uh, our our first bracket was um, oh gosh, I got to go back. It was the Sinus Memorial bracket, wasn't it? This is Sinus Memorial bracket. Uh, second bracket was the Chief Tyrrell mm. uh, bracket. Uh, all, all hail the chief, I believe, is what we called it. Something like uh, that. Either that or Chief Smash. It was one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> chief Mad, Chief Smash. Uh, okay, I have that in my notes on my legal pad. I wrote down something about <laughs> Chief going Hulk Smash on you and you your know. legal pad, man. I tell I, you, I, this is serious I love business. This. The man they called Sam is a very technical, you know, digitally minded human being, and yet he has a he has a a series of legal pads out in front of him right now. Well, just, imagine, just one, just one, several pages, but just one. I'm picturing like a big old map with like the yarn connecting points and, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Well, it's a, it's a calculation that one must make here. I mean, this, this is a, a very important decision. Oh, I just had another bite of cheesy bread. Oh, so oh good. good Lord. You're gonna be able to smell the garlic through the through the microphone. Pro- pro- probably, probably, yeah. <laughs> be like, oh, sweet Moses, carbs, <laughs> sweet carbs. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and they call Tim on his like three grams <sighs> of carbs per month. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. Good Gee, lord. Oh, it's the first of the month. I can have a Ritz cracker, just one. <laughs> Well, do you want me to start I in feel with bad for you, but I've been gluten free for so long. I'm like, ah, screw it. Suffer yeah. like me. I don't care. <laughs> oh, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, w- would you Anyways. like me to start chatting about uh, about my first uh, matchup? Well, let me uh, kind of go through these because I, I just right. want to make sure people know about these these shows. So I'll do I'll do a quick summary on yours. All right. Uh, so Lay Down Your Burdens is a two-parter. Uh, with the presidential elections weeks away, a new discovery could turn the entire election around. Meanwhile, Starbuck leads a team back to Caprica to rescue the resistance fighters. With the elections underway, Starbuck returns from her mission along with a Cylon who delivers an unexpected message to Adama and Roslyn. And then Blood on the Scales goes a little something like this. President Rosalind faces off against Tom Zarek and Lieutenant Gaeta as they try to take control of the colonial fleet. The alliance with the rebel Cylons, as well as Adama's life, are both at stake. So what was your thought process on having to, to like, put these two against each other? Well, I've written down a lot of notes, so we're going to be here for a while. Oh, boy. Somebody put a pot of coffee on. I just popped in some more cheesy bread. So when when you look at you have to factor many things uh, when when you compare these two um, and and again it's 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 a hard hard decision uh, you know especially it's in some ways unfair because blood on the scales is a probably you know smaller scale uh, than lay down your burdens which was you know a two parter plus being a series finale uh, so so there's there's a you know extra heft kind of built into it. Um, I tried to break it down into, you know, story streams that existed and, and tried to evaluate, you know, the weight of them, you know, to see if maybe there'd be a, an obvious answer. And there wasn't, of course, but it, it was fun. The way you're edging around this makes me think that you like you had so much bourbon last night, you can't make out your notes right now and you're desperately <laughs> trying to like stall while you're trying to decipher your own writing. Because you're like... S- circling around this thing like multiple <laughs> times eating around nibbling around the edges i'm like are we gonna are we, are we gonna get to this I would, well let, no, let me I'm, set let me set up to my preamble and then 
I'm 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 more trying to provoke you into this sort of reaction. So oh, okay. Well, good on you. But uh, as, as we have discussed, lay, lay down your burdens. The season two season finale. Um, you know, really getting uh, into the tail end of the election uh, between Baltar and Rosalind. Um, the revelation of this uh, habitable planet that they can now uh, potentially settle on, and and Zarek. Zarek, uh, rearing his his uh, head and and kind of uh, you know turning it into an election issue that that starts to steer the course of of the direction of the of the voting in Baltar's direction. Um, you have Baltar in in uh, his continued uh, uh, little tryst with Gina, and what that turns into uh, later on. Um, as we just joked about, Chief Tiro goes all Hulk smash on uh, on Callie. Um, and yet well, and afterwards, I mean, they fall in love. Um, with the whole thing with Baltar and Gene, I mean, th- that is that is one of those, it's just one of those classic stories of like, you know, man falls in love with robot, decides, you know, how do I express my love? Here's a nuclear weapon. Yes. Yes. Ain't um, it always the way? It is. Tale as old as time, I tell you. Well, and and again, the irony being that once again, where they find themselves, you know, kind of at the end of this episode um, is really in large part due to Baltar. So um, not in large part, it is directly because of Baltar. Yes, (laughs) because if he doesn't give her the nuclear warhead, she doesn't set it off and they don't find them. There Um, you have it. So yes, uh, and and of course uh, we we have the debut of Cavill. Uh, this this I believe is the first appearance of Cavill. Um, uh, really, which, which I was surprised by because I thought yeah because uh, part one contains um, the the whole sequence where Tyrrell has the nightmare or dream you know he's sleepwalking like he's going to throw himself off the, uh, oh, the, yeah. the scaffold. Uh, and that is the debut. I thought for some reason that happened in an earlier episode, but apparently it happens in part one of this. Well, one. because of the plan and you kind know, of all that kind with of your mixed, perception. Yeah. You, I just, I automatically think about Cavill as being there right from the beginning, but right. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Yeah. Just realizing that. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the coup de grace that we we jump to uh, a little over a year later um, after they settle on what they call New Caprica. Uh, we Which, we see. I mean, isn't that a that's just a bad that's bad juju right there. Like, <laughs> what happened to the original Caprica? <laughs> it go boom. It's sort of like when, you know, someone's like, hey, yeah, we're going to, you know, like, well, actually, they, and they are building it like the dude's building a replica t- Titanic and going to take it along the same route. And I'm like. Ain't no way in hell you get me on that boat. No, no. It'd be like the same, like Titanic 2 or, you know, new Nuava Titanic. No, no. I, I think I want to call it the new Little Bighorn. Yeah, that you know, what could possibly go wrong? Of course. Um, <laughs> yes, so we, we jump ahead, and we, we have a bit of a time jump, and we see Rosalind is teaching. We see Baltar has turned Colonial One into his love nest, uh, and uh, <laughs> Gaeta is is his, his uh, underling. His uh, den of inequity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anders is married to uh, Starbuck, but is uh, apparently suffering from pneumonia. Um, Starbuck and Apollo aren't talking anymore, and all of a sudden the Cylons appear and essentially occupy New Caprica. And we have, as we discussed in the prior episode, the uh, the amazing ending uh, of, of this one where you have uh, 
the Cylons uh, ending up as occupiers, as overlords, uh, if you will, of the uh, Caprican folk. And mm. so, um, the, you know, this one made it out of Region 1 because uh, of all of the episodes, I felt, uh, you know, given the weight of this, it, it just really carried a lot of... Um, uh, you know, consequence for where the story was heading. Uh, it carried a lot of um, interesting, you know, storytelling in and of itself in terms of the election with Roslyn. You know, this is kind of the first time that we see Roslyn really do wrong. Um, mm. And e- even though it, it was one of those ends justifies the means sort of situations um, because she was uh, very petrified of what it was going, you know, what a Baltar uh, presidency was going to mean for them, um, and and her suspicions of him uh, being responsible for why they're in that situation in the first place, mm-hmm. uh, you know that that just uh, you know that that whole back and forth was very interesting, and then seeing her just kind of resign to to the to the loss and handing the reins over was. You know, it, it, like like on a lot of levels, this really disrupted the the kind of status quo of the show um, because now we had Baltar in a in a leadership role that way, mm-hmm. um, and and then to you know to go and do the time jump and and to kind of see the results of those things where everything is you know kind of what you would expect with Baltar at the helm. You know, the Tyrol is leading up the the uh, the the unions to uh, strike against uh, the the poor conditions that they're working under. Uh, Baltar doesn't care about anyone but himself and whatever hookers he has in the Colonial One, and um, and basically everything just kind of is falling apart. And of course, prior to uh, you know this time jump is when Gina sets off the war the warhead and and destroys uh, Cloud Nine, um, and and any subsequent shifts that were within the blast radius, um, which is really the marker that, that kind of helps the, the Cylons find them. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, it, it just, it, it flows so nicely. It was, it was a great way to kind of bring season two to a close and do it in a way where, uh, it's very unsettling. They're, they're not in, in, uh, in space the way that we are used to them being. They are, all the characters are in very different kind of scenarios and situations than we've seen them in before, you know, Starbuck and Apollo are not in, in a Viper. They are not, you know, in any position to do any of the normal things that they do. And so, uh, I, I just, I really, I really like this this episode, and and it's why it made it out of Region One. But I have to compare it to Blood on the Scales, and this is where I th- this has been a tough one. I've I've gone back and forth just even in the last thirty minutes with uh, which one to select because Blood on the Scales. Uh, I, I, you've already done the summary of it, correct? Yes. Uh, Blood on the Scales is the thank you, thank you for listening. By the way, I really appreciate the fact that. You have no idea whether I did that or not. It really well, makes me I, feel I like was, a significant part of the show. I was trying to decipher my chicken scratch on the legal pad. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry if my focus is, is a little bit off on other things. Ah, the uh, bourbon spilled. I went, what's his wet spot? <laughs> <laughs> is that the eye of Jupiter? Is that just a wet mark? I don't know. Oh, yes, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> but... Uh, but yes, so uh, we have uh, this, as we call this uh, in whatever ep- prior episode where we 
talked about this one, uh, is is the tale of the fall or, or the tragedy of Felix Gaeta, I believe is what we called it. Yes. Uh, and so we have, uh, yes, Gaeta and Zarek uh, running an insurrection of the fleet and basically uh, trying to consolidate their power uh, in, in this episode. This, this actually spanned two episodes, and this is the obviously the the uh, second of the two uh, in this arc. Um you have Apollo and Starbuck uh, doing their darndest to, uh, you know, organize the resistance and, and save Ty and, and Adama and, and, you know, really, you know, halt and thwart what's going on. Um, this, of course, is where we have Madam, Madam Airlock, uh, who, who thinks Adama is dead and is in love with him, uh, oh, declaring yeah. for all the universe to hear that she will wreak <laughs> holy and heavenly vengeance upon all who have spat at her. Spat, I spat. <laughs> I am coming for all of you. <laughs> just, just Mary McDonald at at her her finest in this one, and actually, ladies and gentlemen. I, unless, unless I'm misremembering this, there is one moment when I think it's and I think it's Caprica Six is in the control because she's saying that she's doing that whole monologue from the base star. Yes, yes. And Caprica Six, or I think I'm, it's A Six. I believe it's Caprica Six. Mm-hmm. As as she's like just going off and then i'm coming for all of you like there's this kind of like sly smile like oh my gosh mm-hmm. which to me is almost like wow she really loves this guy and like oh my gosh this is frightening yeah <laughs> and, and i yeah. helped to annihilate an entire species and yeah. this woman is scaring me yeah <laughs> like i got anyone else have chills because oh, i yeah. do oh yeah oh my gosh yeah oh yeah so um uh yeah so uh what else do we have here uh let's see yeah so Tyrrell um Tyrrell sabotages the FTL so it's like a team effort to throw overthrow this insurrection uh Mm. Baltar and Gaeta uh so at the end the insurrection is thwarted Zarek and Gaeta are taken prisoner and will face the firing squad and beforehand Baltar and Gaeta uh make peace they of course Gaeta uh back in season three uh stabbed Baltar in the throat um or in the neck i should say with a with a pen um out of you know anger and frustration for what he had done so uh so basically john wick by at least a decade i'd like to know indeed indeed it was not john wick that came up with that but felix gata um but in the end both gata and zarek are executed and uh and so ends the character arc across four seasons of uh a beloved character who who you know was who started out as you know very much doing his duty and and as always johnny on the spot when needed but uh but over time became disenfranchised uh became uh disconcerted and and decided to try to take his own path with tom zarek and and failed miserably um Mm. I should also mention um, uh, Zarek's uh, point of comedy uh, by putting Adama uh, uh, on trial uh, in a kangaroo court where Romo Lampkin was even, dis- you know, just <laughs> he, he he was disgusted with himself for even being in the courtroom. Um, but uh, yeah. but 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 really, the big thing that Zarek pulls off here is is really kind of living up to what he represented in Bastille Day when when it became clear that the Quorum of Twelve would not accept him as a leader. That he he fell back to uh, old habits, if you will, and had them massacred, and really 
um, really essentially gutting the, the, the government of the fleet. So, um, so just a lot of, a lot of heaviness in this one. Um, and so this one made it out of region two because of that, uh, just, just, you know, a lot of emotion, a lot of weight and, and really, uh, a, a sad and, uh, and tragic end to a very beloved character, um, who, you know, quite honestly, and I think we touched on this when we talked last was, uh, you know, his, his, his journey was not misunderstood. There, there were, there were clearly, you know, reasons that, that made sense for why he felt the way he felt. Um, not saying an insurrection was the way to go about it, but, um, but, but the fact of meeting an email, you know, something something a little less uh less uh, crazy there but -hmm. nonetheless uh so blood on the scale so uh from these two uh actually should should we do your two and then we make the picks is that is that how we No, because i've i've already got mine mine listed for you and you're the one who's got some question marks because you've been holding this out as a big secret so i want the reveal like where where are you coming down on this sir (sighs) well what what makes this very difficult oh this jibba jabba hannibal Mm. <laughs> Rigs. Um, okay, we'll just mix and match lethal weapon and A team. Why not? Sure. Screw it. Of course. Uh, what's made this difficult in the past is that lay down your burdens was such a a different kind of an ending, you know, for a season uh, than we had seen on on other mm. sci-fi or other fiction shows, and so I I just really. Uh, gravitated to that i i put a lot of weight on that um but when i look at these two and and quite honestly i i feel in the interest of balance that i can't have two two-part season finales in the final because it just doesn't feel right um unlike you uh, you know uh, uncle todd who desires chaos i i require balance um <laughs> So, um, after I can't going, even be mad at that because I, I, I am. I am an agent <laughs> of chaos. For the purposes of the show, I am an agent of chaos. That's, you know, <laughs> sure. Thank you. Thank you for noticing, I guess. Well, you know, I'm just, just giving credit where credit is due. Yeah, uh, thank you. So, uh, with all that being said, uh, and after comparing the two, I am uh, in an upset, I feel, because I feel Lay Down Your Burdens is such a solid and well-crafted uh, set of uh, two-part episodes. I'm going to go with Blood on the Scales, uh, making it into the finals uh, in this uh, final final four round. Wow. I, I, I did not see that one coming. I really thought you were going to go Lay Down Your Burdens versus Crossroads. It was going to be a, a duel of, of, of season finales, but you've surprised me, sir, as... As usual, actually, you you are very surprised. Much like much like Adama in his uh, his speech in uh, in the miniseries, I, I find myself often as you as you take a seat next to me, just leaning over and whispering, "You're one surprising son of a bitch." <laughs> if I had this, to count the number of times, I, I, I if I had a nickel a for every time I've said that about you, sir, I would I'd be a rich man. I would Indeed. be a rich man. Indeed. All right. Well, uh, so blood on the scales, making it out of your, uh, making it uh, into your finals, your final two. All right. That's that's interesting. Very interesting. Well, for me, uh, I have, uh, I have, um, you can't go home again and active contrition. I'm going to actually approach these in chronological. Uh, so this is kind of flip flop because. Um, you can't go home again. Came out of region one, uh, and active contrition came out of region two. But because 
in order, it, it just makes more sense because they're back-to-back episodes. I'm going to go with the first one first and the second one second because uh, otherwise I'm going to be confused and then <laughs> I don't want to be that much of an agent of chaos because I just don't need that in my life. So, act of contrition is summarized thusly. An accident on the hangar deck forces Starbuck to begin training new pilots, bringing back old memories of her training of Zack Adama. And of course, You Can't Go Home Again follows that immediately as Starbuck attempts to escape the barren moon she has been stranded on. Adama and Apollo risk everything to find her, putting them at odds with Ty and Rosalind. Now, the interesting thing is here, uh, I just want to, for a moment, just I want to speak to you, our our listeners, and and just say how much we appreciate you listening and and the reason I want to bring this up is because I I put a lot of work into this show for you the people I went back and I watched all four of these shows my final four took copious notes I just want you to know that that I did that and I care about you and I care for the the quality of the show Sam on the other hand could care less he did not rewatch the shows and he just he just doesn't care as much about you as i do so i just want you to know that you sh- i should be your favorite crickets i know <laughs> i only say that because so so okay quick sidetrack so my wife she has this thing about like she needs for everyone's pet she needs to be their their pet's favorite and down to like with our cat. So our our fat cat, Madame, who is who has not guested on the show in quite a while. She's because just much like everybody in my life, she's had quite enough of me. And she's like, yeah, you go do your thing. Um, but she she is obsessed with being every animal's favorite human. Mm. And if you know anything about cats, that's cats don't play that game. Cats choose the human. Humans don't get to choose the cat. And this cat has chosen me. I am I am the <laughs> primary favored human. And so, my God, she throws herself at this cat, and it's embarrassing. I'm just like, it's it's really hard to watch. You just just like demean yourself for the purposes of this cat. And she's mm-hmm. just and the cat's just like, meh. <laughs> She'll like feed her treats and all this. And, and the cat's just like, eh, that's nice. And just walk away. Are you not entertained? <laughs> And then, and then the cat comes over to me, hops up in my lap, and my and my wife is just looking at me like trying to burn a hole in my skull with her eyes because she's like, the cat won't sit on my lap. Why? I must be the favorite. And the cat's like, no, I don't play that. <laughs> so, anyways, I have no idea where I was going with that. Oh, I wanted to make our, I wanted to make myself our our listeners' favorites, but as we all know, Tim is the favorite because I'm just, I'm just a big old jerk. Um, so, active contrition and. You can't go home again. Um, my gosh, two really great story, uh, two really great episodes. One story really carrying across the two. I just always enjoyed this this story arc because it really ties back to the miniseries, and uh, I'm mm. a big sucker for anything that ties like a direct tie back to the miniseries. And this is right when Starbuck is going to head out of Ragnar Anchorage and go scout out and see where the Cylons are, and tells Lee that she passed his brother in basic flight and train flight training when he shouldn't have that he actually failed and that she passed him because they were in love mm. and this is like a huge like bombshell in that when you really think about it yeah uh, in in the show because all of a sudden now you have this rift i mean you like up until now like apollo's kind of the jerk in this whole thing and now all of a sudden starbuck reveals this you're like what 
and you know she she is very plain about it and of course you get that great line of you know why are you telling me this now it's the end of the world lee i think i i want to confess my sins you know that sort of thing which tells you so again gives you so much information on who starbuck is as a as a character and a human being uh, which i thought was great so then this ties back because now you have this thing where you need new pilots and guess what you only have one combat pilot instructor you only have one training uh, instructor, and that's Starbuck. And she has this big, bad secret that one other person knows, but the most kind of important person in this equation doesn't know. <laughs> and holy hell, is this going <laughs> to... Mm-hmm. This is going to get awkward real quick. The yeah. thing is, what I think is amazing, and that I didn't necessarily pick up until I was re-watching this last night, is in the very beginning, uh, number one, they, the way that they just kind of juxtapose uh, flashbacks and different scenes and different locations in this episode is really interesting because it's it it builds tension in a really kind of uh, n- uh, organic way, um, just the way they structure it. So at the beginning, you have you're you're seeing the the Raptor pilots coming in for his thousandth landing on the hangar deck, and then you see Lee Starbuck, and then and then Adama shows up, and they're going back and forth. But what I hadn't really I guess recognized and really thought that much about is Starbucks starts telling the story about Adama's thousandth landing Mm. because she says to Lee Adama's son has he ever told you what happened on his thousandth landing and he hasn't Mm. Kara the the person who's been serving with Adama for the past like two maybe three years knows more about Bill Adama than his son does like instantly you get that and it's like oh my gosh and it struck me as like oh wow that's how awkward is that you know what I mean because at the very beginning of the scene like you have Kara and Lee are kind of just being goofy kids essentially and then dad walks in and finds them you know they spill the paint but that idea like it it it, it shows how close Kara and, and Adama are and it's going to amp up the later scene that they have that much more and I never really caught that in that in that way. Um, the same as I never really processed when they're showing Zach's funeral. You have off to one side of the coffin, you have Lee and his mother, Adama's ex-wife, mm. the mother of his child who is dead. And on the other side, Adama is standing next to Kara. Mm. And ultimately, he's he reaches out to her to comfort her. And yeah. Lee is comforting his mother, and I'm like, it, you couldn't make that any more obvious, because then there's the you have this gulf in the middle between the two of them, which is represented by a coffin. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. So I mean, you you have this whole setup of just how intensely close Kara and and Bill Adama are. Yeah, and then you get to the scene because she's already she's you know she's. Lee spills the beans and he doesn't know he's spilling the beans because Adama's like, well, yeah, we've talked about it and this and that and the other. And then Lee takes it that step farther. Oh, well, you know, you know what she did for Zach. And now, oh, well, the cat's out the bag. Mm -hmm. And Kara's washed out the nuggets and everything else. And she has to go and face Adama and finds out that he knows. And she has to finally go through the whole thing. And that's the scene where all of a sudden you now understand just how heavy this is because of how close they are. And here's the yeah. thing 
that I want the, part of the reason I kind of wanted to talk about this episode first anyways is because I, I, I've made a joke about the whole and I mean rightfully so you've you've joked about me having an all Starbuck final four and and I've Starbuck. said before I said did you get that uh, call sign before or after you got locked in the brig <laughs> um, which is just, again it's just such a great you know mm-hmm. little drop line uh-huh. um, but uh, you know and I've said before, like I'm, I'm, I'm in the bag for whatever Katie Sackhoff does as an actor. You know, uh, to to paraphrase Kevin Smith, if I was recasting Jaws, I'd cast her as the shark. That's how much I believe in her acting abilities. She could pull that off. Yes, she can play the shark, of course. Like you don't even have to do makeup; she'll do it. You know, like she'll she'll make it work. Um, here's the thing, and I kind of realized it in this episode. With Katie Sackhoff, it it isn't that I just believe that she's a character. I believe that she believes that she's the character, you know, and it's that difference of like when you see someone singing a song and they sing the song well, or you see someone sing the song and you actually believe that they believe every single word that they are singing and that it is coming from their heart. That's kind of what I get in this episode, because mm-hmm. really in this in a show of great performances, you know, over the over the entire run of the entire series and great acting performances. In this episode, Edward James Olmos and Katie Sackhoff put on a clinic of how to be vulnerable in a in a not obvious not so obvious way. Because I realized yeah. just how vulnerable Adama is. Mm. Like it, it it just struck me because I maybe I'm just used to kind of later season, you know, later run Adama where he's a little bit more grizzled or but in this episode he's very tender in a lot of moments and not that grizzled sort of guy that you see before and after. There's a lot of like vulnerability in there. Even when he's talking to Lee and, and Lee is just kind of let this cat out of the bag. Like Adama's like, what? Not like in a in a gruff way, but in a very soft, like, what do you mean? Sort of like like you can almost feel like he's like, oh, crap, this is going to hurt. I don't want to know this, do I? And then you see in that scene between the two of them just the vulnerability because like here is here is Starbuck, the one person who she feels believes in her and is always going to have her back and that she respects and that respects her and all of this and, and realizing that, wow, I have I'm now in the spot where I never wanted to be in where this person I've lost all of that. Yeah. You know? And that is why, you know, in those moments, like the the emotion of that scene is amazing to me. You know what I mean? It's it's just fantastic. And is the reason why this, this particular episode made it through. But also those reasons are the, are kind of the reason why I have an all Starbuck final four. I just think of, you could, you could definitely look at the entire Battlestar Galactica uh, series as a journey of Starbuck, you could definitely read that, and you could read yeah. that with multiple characters, like the just their journey through it all. But I think, you know, the performance that Katie Sackhoff gave in this in this show is remarkable, and I, I think it's one of the highlights of the show because her her character takes so many twists and turns and has so much emotional weight to lift in a lot of these episodes yeah. and over the course of seasons. So that's a main reason why that show really got through for me of, of course you, then of course you get into this was as far as i know i believe this is the first time we have coddle smoking in front of a cancer patient which is 
again, like it just such great shorthand. Oh. It, it lets you know everything you need to know about that character because at one point, you know, he's lighting up a cigarette and Rosalind is there like, I have cancer. And she says, do you mind? He's like, yeah, I kind of do. And he continues <laughs> to puff away. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she's talking about alternative medicine and he kind of jokes he's like, what, you mean prayer? But then, like, going through the whole thing, as he's walking out, like, you can see him get really serious. And he has that whole, like, you know, you might want to consider, seriously consider prayer. Yeah. And, like, and then that is the thing that Rosalind, you can see, just freaks her out because it's like, up until then, it's like, okay, well, you, you think you're all right because the person is, like, just totally gruff and being a, a jerk. Then all of a sudden, when he gets serious, like, oh, mm. I'm really, I, I'm in deep. Yep. It's crazy. Um, and then, of course, you have that moment at the end where Starbuck is going to turn and take on all the Cylons to, to cover the nuggets so they can get back. And in that moment, again, you also see why Adama has put up with her, right? Like, even in the even in the miniseries when he talks about how she's a great pilot and, and Ty's like, you always give her a break and this and that, you see why. In the same way that, you know, you see why Ty has managed to make it as an XO as long as he has with Adama, because when the when the chips really down, he is going to make those tough decisions, and he's kind of the guy that that Adama needs. In the same way that you know Starbuck is every inch the pilot that has that you've kind of seen, but in this scene now you're like, oh yeah, and this is why she's the instructor. This is why she is the 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 top dog in in Viper, in Viper Jocks. Mm-hmm. It, all just great storytelling. It is. Um, I do. And I think the, I think then you get into you know. Um, you can't go home again. I love the fact that you have, uh, you know, when they're going out, when Paul is heading out to go find Kara, Eddie just has one line, handing him his helmet, find her. And it's like, you you now understand just how personal this is, you know? Yeah. And 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 you then you further understand when, when Adama starts, starts yelling at Ty. And you're like, okay, it's now clear Adama is totally lost any shred of objectivity he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and which then leads to Ty getting relieved from duty, which is the absolute peak of Ty's military decorum. Yes. Like in that moment, like the crisp salute and the the spin to the you know the the quick turn to the left and the way he marches off, I'm like that is the most military Ty is in the entire mm-hmm. show. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's when he's getting relieved of duty. Like go figure. It's him just being like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be a jerk on the way I march out. Like that is so Ty. It's great. <laughs> I, I, I love that. Not um, an act of contrition. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Um, but uh, overall, in, the, in this episode, it's very interesting how everyone is right and wrong. Because all the people mm-hmm. who want to uh, who want to leave Starbuck are wrong because she did find a way. But yet, all the people who are wanting to stick around are wrong because they are, in fact, endangering the fleet. Like, it, it, it mm-hmm. is all in gray area, even though you think you might think it's black and white but it really isn't like the entire episode is gray area because everyone's right and everyone is also wrong yeah in some way shape or form it's it's kind of remarkable that they managed to resolve that and then of course when you get that final shot of of starbuck in in sickbay and she's in that bed it is the exact mirror of when starbuck is walking out of adama's character uh, quarters when he's like you know walk out of here while you still can which i mean right Good God, to to then know about Starbuck later on about how she has been like physically abused by her mom. I mean, mm-hmm. that's got to be a horrible thing to hear, just in general. But the way that Adama kind of treats her in that moment 
and her face and her expression is the is just the polar opposite. It's a mirror image of what what you see in that other in act of contrition, which is remarkable. It's just remarkable two episodes, remarkable little story arc, and just tells you so much about these characters and takes those characters on such a journey. Yeah. And really gives you so much such information. To me, it's like this is like distilled Galactica. Like this is like so many of the reasons why I love this show, all in packed into two episodes. Mm-hmm. That all being said, I got to pick one, which I I really was trying to think of a way that I could have like a double count out or something, and then it would be a three way dance in the. I, but then I just prolonged the foundation the agony. of my basement is shaking. I know Good it's Lord. it's What's tough, going on? Uh, but I'm going to go with active contrition. Uh, ah. solely, solely because of the the acting performance of of Katie Sackoff and and uh, Eddie Olmos. It, mm. They are just incredible in those incredible in those episodes in that episode and and just the way that they managed to go between vulnerable and and you know oh my gosh it's just Eddie's rage yeah like I, I realized because I was I, I I was watching these kind of late at night so I had my headphones plugged in to the TV so I could actually have it you know at a decent volume and I'm not keeping my family awake and they're not further hating me so I'm listening <laughs> and all you can hear is Eddie breathing through his nose mm. And I never quite realized like how much in the sound mix that is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you can, you can tell like that is the most pissed off breathing I have ever heard. (laughs) 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 It's just, it's just a great performance by both of them. And uh, yeah, so active contrition moving on to the finals, sir. So it's the rage of Adama uh, in your region one versus region two. uh, And for me, I have the rage of Rosalind. (laughs) Yes. Blood on the scales. <laughs> yep. Yep. Balance. Balance, in ladies and gentlemen. In all things. Which gets us to our other half of the final four. So you have Crossroads going up against Bastille Day. I have Maelstrom going up against someone to watch over me. So let me summarize your two, and then we'll hear your reasonings behind this one. Crossroads, a two-parter, season-ender. Uh, tensions mount as Baltar's trial begins. Caprica 6 stirs mem- uh, memories of Colonel Ty's wife. Gaius Baltar's trial concludes. The fleet jumps into the Ionian Nebula, and four of the final five Cylons discover their own true identities aka a whole lot of crap going on Mm -hmm. Uh, bastille day from season one as water riots break out in the fleet apollo tries to convince prisoners aboard the the tragically named astral queen to help (laughs) him collect in the water however the appearance of a famous terrorist complicates his plans oh my gosh even ron moore in in their in their commentary are like why did we name the prison ship the Astral Queen? Like, <laughs> oh, what have boy. I done? I mean, I'm oh. sure it was a funny joke, and then you have to actually live with it. You're like, oh, this is a bad idea. This is mm. a bad idea. Like Ron Burgundy, milk was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you factor this one down, sir? How, do you need to do you need a break to like decipher some more notes on your legal pad, or have you managed to get to the proper pages? Well, uh, if I dot the I and carry the two, um, okay. So, are we into algebra now? Jeez. Well, you know, figure as much. Uh, yeah. So for crossroads, uh, you know, this this is going to be a bit of a 
this is almost an unfair match in some ways um, because, uh, you know, again, we, we have a two-parter versus a one-parter. Uh, mm-hmm. Crossroads, uh, f- really at the core of, of this one throughout most of it, is the tr- the trial. So we had the tragedy of Felix Gala, Gata. Now we mm-hmm. have the trial of Gaius Baltar. Mm. Uh, and we we have the phenomenal Romo Lampkin uh, working his magic as the uh, defender uh, for uh, one Mr. Baltar, uh, along with associate defender uh, Lee Adama. Uh, yes. Romo is... Lampkin, the kleptomaniac, cat aficionado, <laughs> and, and barrister extraordinaire. <laughs> Raconteur. I mean, what else can be said about this man? What else can be said? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, really at, at, at the, at the core of, of crossroads across the, the, the two parts is that trial and, and, and then the fallout from it. Um, we have, uh, you know, really both Lampkin and later on Lee both kind of lay out, you know, that, uh, the, the argument of, of how in many ways the fleet is kind of channeling all their rage and disappointment and angst into Baltar, not really uh, realizing that uh, the the occupation on New Caprica um, and and really some of the the actions that he took as president were were not choices of his own free will, but really forced upon him by uh, the the occupying Cylons. Um, they don't get into adjudicating whether or not uh, the entirety of the situation was his fault, which in that case, uh, guilty is charged. But yeah. uh, but it, it was really more about the the fallout of the occupation and 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 the you know he there was a death order that he was forced to sign, uh, you know basically with with uh, a gun to his head, um, and so uh, so we have a lot of different characters. Uh, you know, Gata basically purges himself when he lies about uh, you know Baltar willingly signing the death warrant because he wants to see him dead. Um, you, you have Ty's phenomenal testimony, um, you know, somewhat emotional because he has to, he, he has to basically admit that he, he killed Ellen, um, mm. because of, 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 uh, you know, her betrayal. Um, but, but then, uh, you know, we, we get good old wacky tie where he's just kind of like, ah, there's music in the fracking ship. Um, you know, get, get, getting, uh, all kind of crazy there. And then of course, uh, you know, his drinking gets brought up. Um, you have Rosalind take the stand and, and the soul crushing back and forth between her and, and Lee, where, where Lee forces her to basically reveal that she is uh, once again uh, suffering from cancer and, and uh, on the, uh, the Kamala regimen, if you will. Um, and of course, it all kind of ends up with, uh, you know, Adama, you know, admitting to Lee that that he you know, he kind of already made his mind up about Baltar being guilty and Lampkin tries to use that as means to declare a mistrial. But in the end, uh, the, the, the jury votes three, two to let him go. Uh, which of course, then Baltar's next question is, well, where, where do I go? For, I, I mean, it's really kind of a remarkable thing. Like he ends up winning, but he mm. loses in the court of public opinion and now is realizing where do I go? Yeah. <laughs> Can you direct me to the nearest harem, please? (laughs) So, uh, so very interesting turn of events for him. Um, From there, we have. Is there perhaps a naughty sex clan around that I could I could go and hang out with? (laughs) It's funny. It's like like if I'm remembering correctly, like he's walking through the ship after the after Mm -hmm. the trial is done, holding the only belongings that he has in his arms, and everyone's just looking at him with like this stink eye, like oh yeah, oh my gosh, Uh, and and he's just yeah, 
not not sure what to do with himself. Uh, we also get in this one, you know, Rosalind is back on her Kamala regimen, and so she's having visions and comes to the realization that she, Athena, and Caprica Six are all having the same dream about the Opera House and about Hera. Um, so we have that uh, that revelation, uh, mm. and then of course uh, the the biggest uh, revelation. Uh, well the the next the second to to biggest revelation of of this episode uh the final four cylons tyrell anders tori and ty uh all hearing the same song throughout these two parts and trying to make heads or tails of it um especially when they jump into the nebula uh and and from there uh come to a realization that they are in fact uh four of the final five uh, which which was really just just uh, you know heartbreaking and and kind of you know status quo shattering uh, for for the series especially with Ty and Tyrrell um, being you know you know from the very beginning uh, serving on Galactica and and being a core part of that crew uh, Anders and Tori uh, Tori probably the least consequential of them all um, being a fairly new character but Anders. Um, you know, he had kind of established himself a bit more and, um, and, and, you know, was, was, uh, Starbucks, you know, husband. And so, you know, there, there's a bit of a, a shock there as well. So, uh, you know, so with all that, and then of course the biggest revelation, uh, if, if, uh, it, well, uh, I'll get to it when you you cover yours, but the return of Starbuck and and mm. that um, that incredible shot uh, that pullback from where they are in the nebula to uh, that zoom in of of uh, the Earth that we know and love uh, as as the final destination uh, for the fleet. So Crossroads just just a lot packed into it. Um, you know, a lot of very uh, consequential things happening in it that that would essentially ripple into season four and, and into the, into the, you know, the series finale as well. Um, so just top to bottom, a, an extraordinarily strong, uh, two part, uh, season finale and, and, you know, just an amazing, amazing storytelling, uh, journey, uh, just across multiple narratives of, of, of different characters and, and the way relationships are, are ravaged, impacted and, and evolved, uh, through the events. Uh, Bastille Day is, uh, you know, the, is really the, the alpha or, or the Zarek, uh, how do I say it? Z- alpha Zarek or Zarek Alpha? I forget. It's uh, the beginning. The beginning, the debut, the introduction of one Tom Zarek. Uh, and uh, in this episode, we, we have uh, the, the prisoners being uh, potentially used as labor to uh, mine ice uh, for replenishing their water supplies. Uh, Tom Zarek uh, is organizing them. Um, there is a prison riot that ensues where Apollo and a few others, Callie included, uh, are taken prisoner. Um, Apollo tries to reason with Zarek realizes Zarek uh, wants to be a martyr and wants there to be uh, bloodshed on on the Astral Queen. And so uh, as uh, as is the habit of Adama, he sends his Raptor assault team uh, to uh, take care of uh, business. Um, what ends up happening is that Apollo strikes a deal with Zarek uh, and we have a discussion of free elections um, and Zarek, uh, from that point forward, becomes more of a political player as opposed to a, uh, you know, a, a, a terrorist and uh, a bit of a resistance fighter. Um, mm. 
this was this was significant because it it was uh, the introduction of Richard Hatch, who was the original Apollo into the series. Uh, it, it was uh, the establishment of a character who, over time, would co- would consistently uh, rear his head in in you know different episodes, um, sometimes unexpectedly, uh, and and was you know always kind of an agent of chaos, an agent in the background, um, you know, trying to kind of manipulate events and 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 bend. Uh, you know, the fleet to his will uh, became very successful, as we discussed in, in Blood on the Scales, almost became very successful in doing that. Um, but like we talked about uh, with Blood on the Scales, the, there was the implication that he is a bloodthirsty uh, son of a gun. And we did not see it in this episode. If anything, this is kind of the emergence of a more civil Tom Zarek. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what we kind of see throughout the series. And then uh, in Blood on the Scales, we kind of see him revert to the the uh, the bloodthirsty, bloodlust sort of Tom Zarek with uh, power being kind of the motivator uh, for him there. Um, I think it's about it. Oh, oh uh, this is also significant because uh, as we talked about in Lay Down Your Burdens, uh, this is uh, the episode where Baltar is given possession of a nuclear warhead for his Cylon detector. That <laughs> nuclear warhead would then be handed over in the chain of custody to Gina, and Gina would then uh, decide to uh, light that one up uh, when she recognized that she was going to have to spend the rest of her life with Baltar. So uh, with that being said... Um, that is Bastille Day, the debut of one Tom Zarek. You know, it never really occurred to me, but that nuke was sitting around for an awfully long time. And nobody, I mean, you would have thought eventually Adama would have asked for it back or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, they like, just kind of handed it around like it was just, oh, yeah, there's a nuclear warhead. It wasn't warhead. handing it around. It was like he said he needed it for the silent detector, and they gave it to him. Mm-hmm. And then time goes by. And then he just sort of gifts, he re-gifts it, you know, like, oh, I, I'm not using this, so here, you know, you have it. But nobody in between there thinks like, hey, you know that guy who's kind of wacky and he talks to himself every so often? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we catch him like he's he's acting real weird. Do we really think he should still have a nuke? I don't know. I, maybe we ought to get that back. Or from the time he gave it to Gina to the time when she finally lit it off, did the question not get once asked to him, hey, where did that thing go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just how jacked up, the, you know, the, the entire situation is when a nuke goes missing and everyone's like, man, I'll turn up eventually. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. We're not worried about it. We have plenty of them. Yeah, um, yeah. But it is decision right, so time. And so where'd you come down on this one? This one was a much easier decision than the prior uh, region one versus region two matchup. Uh, this one, uh, I wouldn't quite call this a, a um, oh gosh, what is his, what's his name? Not Barry Wyndham. What's, what's the jobber we keep talking about? Barry, oh, Horowitz. Barry Horowitz. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is not quite a Barry Horowitz situation. Uh, maybe it's a little more like a Red Rooster situation. Um, oh, my gosh. But nonetheless, uh, Crossroads uh, advances into the finals, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, season three, series finale, two-parter uh, with a lot of meat to it, a lot of soul, a lot of consequence that uh, really – Really, in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the fulcrum of, of the series because this this catapults everything forward in into what is the the final you know voyage of the Galactica and uh, the the Cylons and Cylon rebels as we will soon see. So uh, Crossroads is what I am going with in Region Three versus Region Four. 
What about you, sir? Well, for me, uh, my matchup is Maelstrom versus someone to watch over me. So we have a season three going up against a season four. And guess what? They both feature Starbucks. So let's dive right into this. Maelstrom is summarized as Starbucks past comes back to haunt her when Adama has doubts about her fitness for duty. And someone to watch over me is summarized as Starbuck encounters a mysterious piano player in Joe's bar and helps him work on his latest song. Realizing the musical notes match a series of dots drawn by Hera, Starbuck finishes a song which Colonel Ty and Tori Foster recognize as the music they heard when they learned they were Cylons. Tyrrell unwittingly helps Boomer, who poses as Athena, to kidnap Hera and take her to Cavill. So a lot of stuff going on in both of these. And one thing I didn't really realize is, uh, so in this matchup, we basically are dealing with both of uh, both halves of Kara's parental you know, lineage here, both her parents. Mm. I don't know why I'm, I'm trying to make this sound fancy. We're dealing with both her parents. So in Maelstrom, <laughs> we're, talking about, uh, we're talking about Mommy Dearest, which, whoo, boy. <laughs> oh. Whoa, Nelly. That, that, was a, that was a rough, rough road right there. And then in Someone to Watch Over Me, we, we're basically dealing with her dad. Uh, and so it's a very interesting kind of how this turned out, um, but also is also, you know, leaning more into star trek uh star trek starbucks centric episodes it's kind of inevitable that these two would would wind up here um i think the the thing about so going in in kind of order here for maelstrom i i forgot when i was re-watching this how bloody eerie it is when she goes to see the oracle and the oracle is sitting there like leaning over this bowl of water and then you realize that it's her tears because the oracle is crying constantly mm. as as she's talking which is something that didn't stand out to me before but having seen just the episode now I'm like wow that is really spooky and then the way that she's kind of repeating Leoben's words to back to Starbuck is crazy and uh, then how like Starbuck tries to deflect it like uh, you know someone told you that and she's like have you ever told anybody that and this weird like oh my gosh the the oracle is so creepy it's wonderful um and uh honestly probably maelstrom has some of the best viper flying effects in any episode uh are are in maelstrom it was just everything like effects looked really good in this episode um and i think it's it's also interesting how you're also getting the the further journey of kara like before you know, there was no doubt about her. It was doubt about whether you could trust her, but she was always really good at what she did. And here it's now it's like, is she no longer good at what she did? And then what is it? Where does that leave her identity? You know? Mm. Um, and I think it's interesting because it ends up being in every other instance, Starbuck kind of pushes herself. Starbuck pushes everybody else. And in this one, she is, she's quitting. Like she has that scene where she's constantly seeing her younger self um, and a younger self who is beaten up, bloodied, you know, uh, and goes to get in her cockpit and sees her younger self there. And, and she says, I'm not going back out. I'm not doing it. And so it's Starbuck quitting. And, and Lee is the one who pushes her. Like finally someone's pushing Starbuck and nobody does that. Yeah. And yeah. That whole idea that then then before that progresses much further, she starts asking about um, about D and Apollo and where they're at and all that. And, and she kind of brings it like, hey, we're, we're back where we started. You know, you're the CAG. I'm the I'm the screwed up pilot. And then she's like, and that's all we're ever going to be. 
And it's this very weird kind of bittersweet moment because you can tell that Apollo is like, wow, I'm like D is really wonderful and she's not psychotic and she's not <laughs> she's not Starbuck. Right. And and as much as Lee wants Starbuck, he's also like, You're you're also insane and I and I know way too much about you and all these things. Um but there's also this bittersweetness to that. And then you of course you get this idea of, you know, Lee is is kind of in a way responsible for Starbucks demise i'm sure that he feels because he pushed her to get back in the cockpit and then ultimately she ends up going in right um i thought it was interesting because one of the things i hadn't considered because there's always this debate about at the end like okay uh you know baltar says that that carith raises an angel and she's an angel of light and all this the thing i kind of started to wonder is is starbuck really the goddess aurora the little thing that you know the little um figurine that she, the oracle gives her at the beginning is oh that's aurora and she ends up giving it to adama for as a figurehead for his ship is she is she goddess aurora incarnate you know because it's mm. a new dawn a new chance a fresh start which is what starbuck ultimately gives them when she comes back in in a, in a ending up in a very dark way because she takes him to the to earth and it's the burnt out earth but then right. ultimately she is the one who gives them the fresh start on earth like the real earth the one that isn't completely nuked out right. so it's 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 kind of it's kind of crazy and that's and and then you get end up this this whole scene of like she manages to get back to to visit her mom on her deathbed which is something that didn't happen in reality mm. that she she walked out on her mom because her mom was was being extraordinarily abusive and 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 was like I'm I'm out and she never went back and her mom died not that longer long after and she she gets to go back and see her and understands like that her mom cared for her loved her was proud of her but did not show it and and was was jacked up in her in her own way um, and she manages to mend that you know uh, and it's it, it's a it's a very interesting episode because you you do have this idea of letting go and and. And Kara being now ready to take whatever that next step is, you again have this, you know, this moment of vulnerability uh, with with Eddie almost at the end with the with the ship. He finishes the ship. He puts the little figurine there, and he's looking at it, and then he wrecks the thing, uh, mm. which is is just powerful. It's tough to watch, um, but a great episode, great episode. And of course, this is this is the death of Starbuck, and it was very un- kind of unexpected because I mean, it's like third season. Heading towards the end of the season, but I mean, mm-hmm. still, there's a lot of episodes left in the season, and now you've just killed off one of the characters that has been around since the beginning. And yeah. I don't know that this is way before D. So you know, up until now, like one of the only major characters that you've seen killed off is is Billy. You know, hey, what about and, Crash Down in his graphs? Uh, <laughs> like I said, uh, the first, one, the only one is really Billy. Oh, um, Billy, 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 Billy. <laughs> Oh, it's a big one, Billy. Um, <laughs> this Spalding, this one calls for the Billy Baru. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, Ted Knight, what a great, what a great guy. Anyways, Ted um, Knight, Ted effing Knight. That's what that's what it ought to be. Although he would probably never say that. He seems like a very seems like a very proper gentleman. Um, so great episode, a lot going on there, and and aptly named this Maelstrom because it really is just this mm-hmm. this twisting sort of story yep. uh, someone to watch over me is is actually a lot more straight ahead although it gets into these very weird sort of things and and i love the the beginning of this the repetition of the days throughout the intro and and just kind of 
her repeating the different parts of what's happening and very much you get the you get the feeling of like she is stuck in this kind of cycle and and things ain't changing and all this um and i think it's also interesting her first conversation with the piano player where it's this it's the same sort of thing that we deal with in our lives and in in a greater sense in the world is you know the juxtaposition like what is what what is the function of art in society in our world in our day in our life because Starbuck makes the point of like, oh, you're so you're, you know, did any of your music stop any of those bombs that were falling on Caprica? You know, and it's like because he's talking about, well, I'm trying to brighten up our bring light to the life and this and that and the other. Mm. And it is like it is like, where is that? You know, it's like, do, is does it serve a function that you can quantify? Well, not necessarily, but it 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 does bring something to our lives. Uh, which is interesting to it's an interesting conversation to just toss into a sci-fi show that is dealing with the extinction of the human race and the balance it's like hey let's take a time out and talk about art okay sure why not sure um, and and the other thing like you're dealing with chief and i just i i really felt for chief in this moment cuz it's like imagine having to see your ex everywhere you go like not like picturing them or memories. No, physically, you see a copy of your ex everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Man, that has to suck. <laughs> That's a lot to deal with. I mean, you're already dealing with the fact that you're on the run from alien from these you know robots that want to kill you. Mm-hmm. Your entire you know your entire species is going extinct. You've had this, that, and the other, and now your ex who you found out, you know, betrayed you and, uh, and that you held while she was dying. And now you get to see her on your flight deck every single day. That's a mind job. That, 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 that really suck. Um, and then further, you, you start seeing just how, how manipulative Boomer has become. Yeah. And how much she's embraced that and how much she's messing with his head with this imagined home and kid. And, and, it can't, I can't help but think about like how his happiness in this moment is such like a mirror image or like the the opposite of the rage that you see when he kills Tori in daybreak that you there there are the polar extremes of chief and it is insane like and I and Aaron Douglas does such a great job playing that I think it just Oh yeah, he like he managed to do a lot with not a not a ton with Chief. I mean, he he really kept that character going for a, for a while, and making it interesting when there wasn't a whole lot going on with him uh, in some of those episodes. Um, and then of course, you know the <laughs> Ty. Much of as we were talking about, you know, people selling the Stone Cold Stunner and and Dwayne Johnson, rightfully so, being one of the gold standards. Because as we all know, in, in professional wrestling, when you, you're talking about selling, it's your reaction. It's your reaction to a person talking to you or it's a reaction to the move. Like your, your reaction to that person doing something to you is as important, if not sometimes more important than what that person is doing. You know, because it, it's what really sets context. It's what really you get the impact of things. Ty is like the gold standard reactor 
mm-hmm. this in this show. He is like just so good because even in when you were talking about uh, in Crossroads when they find out they're all silenced, Ty is a like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. And you know what? It's perfect. It's perfect for that character, but it's also like what most of us would do. We'd just be like mm-hmm. dumbfounded and be like, oh, <laughs> like, and and then his expression when they start playing that song at the end and it's the same song that they heard when they knew they were they they knew they were Cylons mm-hmm. his expression is just amazing yeah. it's great it oh is. my gosh michael hogan in that moment is fantastic um is uh, priceless uh and then of course you have the whole thing with uh with you know boomer impersonating athena and you know the whole thing with Hilo in the in the bathroom which is is interesting because where i had he, not where Hilo noir does become da na 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 never mind it, it does turn into a bit of a strip tease there were, i didn't see any tassels but then again i mean you have to edit some things for television um but I didn't. I I did not remember that. Really, it was Hilo kind of instigating that, like because mm. he thinks it's his wife and she's going away for like a week and a half, and he's like, "Hey, uh, how about a going away sort of party?" and and she kind of tries to pull away because she's like, "I got a kid to kidnap. I got a raptor to catch. I've I'm just I am friggin' booked up right now. Uh, <laughs> maybe another time, you know." Um, Oh, and it's, but she eventually, you know, does and they do and, 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 oh my gosh, just crazy. Ugh. But then of course, when she finds out that Hera has been kidnapped by Boomer and goes back to that imagined house mm. and is just gutted that it's empty, the kid isn't there, Boomer isn't there. It's all, he knows that he has been played yep. so badly. Yeah. And oh man. Oh, it's just, it's tough. It is tough to watch. Um, and then, of course, just the realization that you you understand, like, the piano player is, is essentially Kara's dad. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they play the song, and then he does the thing with the, with the finger, like, pointing to the last note, and, you know, she, like, you're blowing the, the smoke away from a gun. She does that, and you, it all kind of comes together, and then he's gone. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's been her all along. It's been in her, in her head. Uh, just great. And and I, again, I didn't realize I was going to be talking about, you know, Kara's mom and dad, you know, lining these up until I rewatched them. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is that is what I'm what we're talking about. Wow. That's crazy. Um, yep. In this matchup, though, I've got I, I've got to give this one to Maelstrom as much as I enjoy someone to watch over me. Um, the 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 breakdown of Starbuck and then kind of the mending of her soul and her her mind with Leoben helping you know mend mm-hmm. that with her with her mom is to me is just such an emotional journey and again it's it's such great character building for that character you know mm-hmm. um and it was such a shock that that you know her that she did die in the episode it was it was a shock when i first watched it you know and it's, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of crazy because in the show it's easy now to go oh of course i'm not going to kill off a main character I was like well i don't know because when stuff happens in this show it tends to happen for realsies like they mm-hmm. don't yeah they don't they didn't play I and mean, they they didn't play this this trick many times and they they did it once and it and it and it worked you know so uh, but yeah i'm gonna go with maelstrom in this one um so yeah, that gives a. We now have our final matchup, sir. The Earth has not cracked open. I managed to make two of these decisions. We'll see if I can actually make the final decision, uh, but who knows? There, so, there's still time. As a man of balance, I just want to point out to the agent of chaos, 
that you selected the death of Starbuck while I selected the return of Starbuck. Yes. You selected the rage of Adama, and I selected the rage of Roslyn. Mm-hmm. So say we all. I guess. <laughs> so say we all. Yeah, fine. Okay, so say we all. Fine. Come on. Uh, all right, so that means our finals are... Wow. Blood on the scales from season four going up against Crossroads from season three for the man they call Tim. And Uncle Todd has active contrition from season one going up against Maelstrom in season three. Sir, neither one of us have filled out what our final decision is. Mm-hmm. What do you got? <sighs> oh my gosh, are we really going to go do, do this dramatic? <laughs> well, there are many things one must consider. All right, I'm just going to edit this part out and cut right to the end if you don't. I have a 20 dilly dally around on this manifesto to walk through on this topic. Yeah, and you wrote it while you were drunk, so you can't even read it. So let's just cut to the chase here. <laughs> All right. Well, what what are you saying? I <laughs> this I'm I'm translating over here. <laughs> what you do? Write it in Sanskrit? You do you write in tongues when you're when you have a couple bourbons? Uh, what is this French? Uh, maybe a no, Espanol. Maybe a little. I think that's Espanol. Portuguese. Actually, that's interesting. So, blood on the scales. The tragedy of Felix Gaeta versus Crossroads. The trial of Gaius Baltar. The return of Starbuck, the revelation of the final four, and Rosalind is dreaming in stereo with Athena and Caprica Six. It's just, just oh, whacked out on the on the on the Kamala. She's all hopped up on it. It's Kamala madness, I tell you. It is. It is. All right, I want to make a prediction before you type this out because I see yes. you highlight. Okay, I think you're going with Crossroads. All right. And why do you think but, that? I, I just think it has more more meat on the bone, if you will. There, there's a lot more to it. Uh, Blood on the Scales is a is a fantastic episode. It's a great choice. Either one of these is a great choice. Let's just put it that way. Yes. Uh, but I think Crossroads, it just is so much going on. And like you said, uh, there's so many things in, in Battlestar Galactica that were like, you can, pre- you can preface them all with, you never saw this in another sci-fi show before this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... Yep. Yes. Making the choice of ending, you know, ending season two with the occupation of New Caprica, mm-hmm. um, you know, Crossroads being the return of Starbuck and, and all. I mean, yeah, the, it's just stuff that you hadn't seen before. Um, and But I just think that Crossroads has a lot more to it. So that, that's why I think. But you tell me what your what your pick is, sir. Are you ready? I just want to be on record. So you go right ahead. What do you got? I am typing out Crossroads. Uh-huh. I as thought much, so. For as for as much as I feel, blood on the scales is a high quality and and very high energy and and high charge kind of an episode. Uh, you 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 said it. Crossroads. It it just has more meat on the bone. It it is, um, you know, as I said before, it it just the the. It, it's not a fulcrum in the in in the sense that it balances you know four seasons you know evenly at the end of season two because this is the end of season three but it but it is a it is a pivot point for the series and uh and, and it is a point of no return and 
the events that transpire, uh, of course, inform season four, but really drive uh, the the impetus and purpose of all parties involved um, forward uh, in in that one, and and it's just and quite honestly leads to Gata, you know, landing in the situation he does, where he has his leg amputated and um, and begins to to question everything that he's known before. Um, mm. Really, Starbuck coming back is what what really you know kind of impacts Gata um, in in a very negative way, and so mm. um, so yeah, so Crossroads. Uh, coming out of of all of the 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 debate, the adjudicate, uh, I have uh, meditated, and I will now enunciate that it is Crossroads season three that is getting my nod as the best of the best, the cream of the crop. Oh yeah, uh, coming coming out. Randy, you're holding like you're holding out one of those little mini moves as you said that for a visual reference. Uh, kind of. <laughs> If you were still working out of the office, you totally would have stolen one of those today just so you could have it. Even though we're not on video, you would have been I just need it there. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, cr- Crossroads is my final pick. The the cream of the crop, the best of the BSG series. Uh, that is my selection. You, sir, uh, if, if I may make a guess, uh, as okay. you have done for me. Uh, with Maelstrom uh, from season three versus active contrition from season one. Uh, hearing you you talk about both of these shows, it is it is or these episodes, I should say, not shows. Um, it is difficult to to hone in on precisely what you will uh, select because both I think have uh, major points of um, of engagement, of, of, uh, emotion, of passion, uh, from these characters, uh, as, as you articulated, uh, with Maelstrom, you know, focusing heavily on the Starbuck, um, mom, uh, relationship and act of contrition in, interestingly enough, again, in a balanced way, the father daughter sort of thing going on with her and Adama. Um, mm-hmm. But I, it just feels like at the end of the day, Maelstrom is kind of where you're going to land because of the the impact of that relationship and the impact of the death of Starbuck, uh, the, the heft that that carries uh, would 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 rule the day and and make Maelstrom your crown jewel, uh, Starbuck v Starbuck with Starbuck going over. Um, was I close or was I wrong? Well, I mean, you're close because there's only two choices, so you can't oh, be that far off. I come guess. Come on, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> just you know, um, um, it is a very difficult decision. Uh, however, when I look at this, you have Starbuck crashing at the end of Active Contrition. You have Starbuck crashing at the end of Maelstrom. What I propose is that these are essentially the same episodes, so it's impossible to make a choice between the two. So really, I, I have no choice but to award this to both episodes. What? You can't do that. You Why must not? make we a made, selection. We made up this whole thing. Why can't we? <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. How, how much would that stick in your craw? Would you, would you even be able to sleep tonight if I truly stood on that? <laughs> You'd be 
grinding your teeth and your as you're laying in bed, like just straight as a board, full of tension. Your wife's like, "What is wrong with you?" You have this you vein, vein bulging from from you know the right side of my forehead. Oh my gosh! So I, I, imagine, I actually imagine the vein just like right in the middle of your forehead, and then just going all the way back to your spine. Like it's just mm-hmm. fully like it's it's a ridge along your entire head. Oh, well, it's like I've got your I backpack know. for the hospital. I've already got the ambulances on the way. I'm just sending you oh, in. Good lord. <laughs> Unbelievable. We've got to reset the, the days without incident. Oh, jeez. Um, no, I'm not going to do that. As much as I've said, I'm going to try and have a double count out, a dusty finish, something. I'm I'm waiting for... I'm wait, Actually, what I'm doing right now is I'm killing time in the ring. I'm waiting for a run-in. That's what I'm waiting for. I and, was going to say, it's, it's Starbuck against Starbuck, and you're going to send Starbuck in to ruin it for Starbuck so that Starbuck goes over. <laughs> No, actually, I'm going to send Ellen in because she messes everything up. Well, that's so, her. That is the agent of chaos. Her, her. That is the Joker in in, a, in the in the uh, Galactica universe. Indeed. Uh, it is a very difficult decision because there's a lot going on in both of these uh, really good performances. However, uh, as we've talked about before, there is a little bit of gravitas that you have to give to what what ultimately came first, and I think I truly believe that that. You know, kind of season one is is kind of the gold standard for a lot of these episodes, even though, you know, fantastic episodes in two, three and four as well. But you have to go back to kind of that first glimpse of what made this show really special. And like I said before, the performance of Katie Sackhoff, Eddie Olmos and and to a lesser degree, uh, Jamie Bamber in, in, in this particular episode in Act of Contrition. Outstanding, outstanding, and I, I think it was one of those deals where, you know, Edward James almost had said afterwards, you know, that he thinks that you know Katie Sackhoff's a great actor and you know incredibly talented and was very effusive in his praise for. Her. And you look at now and it's like, well, there's a reason why she's in the Star Wars universe. Uh, you know, that says something. And mm-hmm. you know, you could even make the case of something like. Um, uh, Oh my gosh, the show name is slipping out of my mind right now. We did an entire episode on it. I'm uh, Mandalorian. Oh, no. uh, another life. Another life. Thank you. Um, I ar- I would argue that even though you can make a case that there are some elements of another life that are a little bit B movie ish, uh, it would it would have been like pure B movie if you don't have someone like Katie Sackhoff with her acting chops anchoring that show. Mm-hmm. And and I think it goes back to just the fact that it's not just that you believe that she's a character like she actually believes it like it is coming from a from a heartfelt place. And that was really the first time in in this show that I can remember really seeing that even when I was watching it the first time around like, oh, my gosh, this is a, an amazing acting performance, you know, and I, I'm going to give it to Act of Contrition. It, it's it's the O.G., Amazing performances, great character work, great inf- uh, informing of who the character is, uh, and and really, it, it is like I said, the, the those two episodes, you know, act of contrition can't go home again, distilled Galactica for me. And if I've got to pick one, I'm going to pick that first half. I should have known. I should have known. <laughs> it couldn't have been as simple as the death of Starbuck and the resurrection of Starbuck. No. 
you would go the other way and go to season one. Well. And have it be completely unrelated, out of balance, and chaotic, thus living up to your tenets and beliefs. Some men just want to watch the world burn. You're welcome. And you're still going to be aggravated all night long. You you blew it! It could have been perfect! (laughs) Could have had a nice little bow on it, but no. You had to go and screw it up. Nope. No bow. I I can't tie Uh, bows, so it's it's just a bunch of tape and string in a very messy sort of contraption. That's how I wrap this one up. You're welcome. I thought Taibo was karate. I don't know karate, but I know crazy. Oh. <laughs> Little James Brown for you right there, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Very nice. Very nice. I don't know karate, but I know crazy. Oh, oh, the payback. Got to get got to get you some payback. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. One of the heaviest songs James ever. Oh, the groove on that. Woo! Oh, lord. Dang. <laughs> But you gotta go. You gotta go like the nineteen seventies, like the like the the prime James Brown, like late like mid to late seventies, early eighties. But then after that, it it kind of everything started speeding up so much. It took a lot of the funk right out of it, which kind of mm. sucks. But yeah, oh my gosh, you you hear that song back in the day? Woo! Oh Lord, just James screaming about how he wants some get back. Mm. God love it. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know what. Well, 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 from, when, well selected, sir. <laughs> We went from Edward James almost to just James Brown. And, you know, I ain't mad. I ain't mad at all. Not at all. And another thing. Uh, Sir, what do you got for and another thing this episode? Uh, I have a a little local ditty of sorts. Uh, Ah. Yesterday, um, the missus and I went downtown to Chicago uh, to the Goodman Theater. And we uh, took part in a uh, play that was performed uh, by the great Sean Hayes and company, uh, Sean Hayes of the of Will and Grace uh, fame. Uh, the movie, the movie, the play was called Goodnight Oscar, and uh, it is the story of uh, Oscar Levant, uh, who uh, was. Uh, called uh, into uh, was was a favorite of Jack Parr when he did the Tonight Show, uh, and and was called in uh, for the first time uh, the Tonight Show emanated from L.A. Um, the 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 wrinkle in in this story is that Le- Levant it, at the time was a drug addicted and depressed uh, individual who uh, had been committed. Um, to a sanitarium and whose wife had got him out on a four hour pass to go and perform at said uh, <laughs> tonight show. And so it is uh, the story what? of, uh, yes, it is, sir. Uh, wow. And it is the story of that night in 1958 when uh, he was granted a temporary leave from his long-term stay at an inpatient institution uh, where he was undergoing treatment for drug addiction, depression, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. So he could appear on The Tonight Show starring starring Jack Parr. Uh, And over the course of that night, we see him uh, grapple with his his addictions, uh, mental health struggles, the ghosts of his past. Uh, Very interesting part in that was uh, how he was very much lost Locked into um, a a performance. Um, I, I don't know what to call it exactly, but but was very much. Um, 
an interpreter of of George Gershwin's music and was kind of locked into that uh, after Gershwin's death, apparently in 1937. Um, so he he was uh, one of the premier players of his music and was kind of locked into that. Um, that that was kind of what he was known for. And hmm. during the during the play, it kind of goes into how that you know played into you know some of his madness because he he had his own music he wanted to play, but no one wanted to really hear it. They wanted to hear him play the Gershwin music. And so it was very, very interesting. Um, Sean Hayes was just amazing in it. Um, there's even toward the end a uh, pr- basically uh, when he does Oscar Levant's performance um, on the piano at the Tonight Show um, uh, was was all done, I believe, uh, by Sean Hayes himself, and it was just a, a just a masterful performance on the piano. Uh, so I, I would highly recommend it. They, they also, uh, you know, show, um, the interview that, you know, Jack Parr does with, uh, I, I don't know if it's the full interview or, or if they whittled it down, but, um, but it was really funny because, uh, you know, the, um, the, the director of the tonight show comes out and, and tells them they're, they're not to do the taboo topics, which are politics, religion, and sex. And they, they basically go and go ahead and talk about politics, religion, and sex. And it was really funny. <laughs> um, so well, uh, well, well done. Um, but overall, yeah, just, just a, an absolute delight. And, uh, so yeah, good night, Oscar, uh, at the Goodman theater. Um, and uh, just just would highly recommend it if you're in Chicago and want to see a good show. It's performing uh, through April 24th uh, at the Goodman Theater. Wow, you you are a sophisticated fellow, sir. Oh, thank going you, sir. The, going to the theater, getting the culture, uh, getting the culture, the musical performances that you attend, the the mm-hmm. fine dining, all of it. It's it's quite honestly, it infuriates me because you're everything that I want to be and and I'm not. So you know, uh, oh, stop it. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> although I did, I, although I got to say, I did have a really good steak and bourbon after the show. So. Of course you did, of course, because you have a steak and a bourbon after everything. Ah, I had a really good, I had a really good, uh, really good movement this morning. Ah, and, you know, I'm gonna have a steak and a bourbon. Uh, <laughs> that was a really good meeting. Let's have a steak and a bourbon. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Oh, right, wow. right now, Tim has twenty pounds of undigested beef in his, in his digestive system, oh, followed Lord. by about a gallon and a half of a very, very expensive bourbon. Oh, will you stop? And when it's finally processed through, oh boy, I'm not sure if the sewer system in the Chicago land area is prepared for that. <laughs> There better be no no sparks because it will burn. For, it'll be burning like one of them mine fires for the next sixty years. A whole, whole, whole different Chicago fire. <laughs> what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? Uh, that that shining in the night sky? That's the Great Chicago Fire of the sewers. <laughs> Rumor says that it was lit on fire ten years ago and it's still burning brightly. It's all because of bourbon and steak. All because of it. One man's folly is res- is res- responsible for our doom. <laughs> it's the it's the unknown fifth horse of the apocalypse, the bourbon soaked steak. <laughs> It's the it's the bourbon and steak sewer fire. Yes, it's the lesser known of the four horsemen. They don't really like to talk. He has to ride behind them on a Shetland pony. Really, that's. <laughs> 
But you don't want to mess with him. He's really mad. If you were like the ignored fifth oh, horseman funny. of the apocalypse, you'd be really pissed off. So you don't mess with him. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. That is hysterical. Uh, well, where do we go from there? Um, where are we? What are we talking about now? So I was talking about a culture play oh, in the city uh, yes. with steak and bourbon. You, sir, I think are about to take us to the other end of the uh, spectrum entertainment-wise. Well, that was part of the reason that I was I was taking that in the direction that I was. I wanted to bring our I, – I felt like we needed to downshift a little, and I just didn't want to go directly <laughs> there. So I felt like the sewer fire would be a good way to go. Um probably wrong as i am about so many things in my life but so be it uh so my and another thing this week i caught a, the first couple episodes of a show now on the paramount plus uh which is halo and uh i am completely uneducated on the video game halo i'm vaguely aware of some of the stuff that has to do with it i've never played the game before uh i know a lot of people are absolutely into this it, it was mm. a cultural phenomena that passed me by because at that point my my console gaming days were were over or actually they weren't over but i think at that point i'd pretty much just stuck to uh stuck to sports games because I yeah. I would get I, I, I was never one of those guys who could stick around and, and play some of those games that you know it took like weeks and months and stuff like that to solve them it was just it frustrated me at a certain point so I, I just stayed away from because I'm like I'm paying how much money to be like just pissed off great I could go play golf if I want to do that that's that's what would set Uncle Todd to bed grinding his teeth and you know <laughs> shaking his fist at the world well not so much shaking my fist as I'd have to then like pull the controller out of the drywall you know which is which is why again I never had like the cordless uh, controllers because then I could get a lot more speed and then I wouldn't have the cord to pull them back out from the wall so that was always dual purpose <laughs> uh, so I, I kind of went into the show not really knowing anything more than just like oh Master Chief is the main character and it's in space and I, I didn't I didn't know nothing about it so it was just a sci-fi show to me and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I've seen the first nice. two episodes. Uh, you know, it's interesting. If you if you're like me, uh, and I've read a couple of reviews where apparently uh, Halo fans are not exactly 100% happy with this. Go figure. A fan isn't happy with an adaptation of something that they love. Who would have thunk it? Um, and upset for some good reasons you know they've changed some things and and but of course it's all adaptation and you know if you just did the video game i mean who really cares if you enjoyed it you probably played it before um but if you're coming into it cold a lot of people are just like oh it's a sci-fi show and are enjoying it which has been my experience uh i I've, i'm enjoying it the effects are really well done i think there's uh, some good acting performances happening um and you know it's an interesting story and and i'm it's it's kind of the way that they're uh, presenting it, it's easy enough to get into it if you know nothing about Halo. You can kind of catch up pretty quick as long as you you keep your eyes open and you can keep track of things. Like if you can add more than like two digits to two more digits, you're probably going to be all right here. If you're stuck to two plus two equals four, you're in trouble. Um, but it's yeah, I think it's a good show, and I'm I'm excited to see how the rest of the season goes. It's been a kind of a new thing for me. I'm like, oh, this is this is good. I, I gotta say, I'm actually on on the whole enjoying this more than I'm enjoying Star Trek Picard. Uh, oh, although, really? 
Really? Last week's episode kind of helped a little bit, but still just not not loving season two of Star Trek Picard. Uh, the first couple episodes of Halo to me, are, it's just fun. But then again, it's also, it's just fun and I have no history with the characters or anything like that. So it's just sort of like, if it sucks, I was like, eh, I'll just stop watching. Whereas, you know, Star Trek Picard has a little bit more to it because... You know, Star Trek: The Next Generation was my Star Trek. Those that was my crew. That Jean Luc Picard was kind of my captain. So, a little bit more at stake. But uh, if you're looking for a good sci-fi show uh, and you're and you're not heavily invested in Halo, I, I would actually give it a try. It's it's a it's a fun show. Very cool. I uh, I I played Halo back in the early 2000s when it first came out. Um, you know, when Xbox was just kind of on on the rise and. Uh, yeah, it was a, you know, it was a groundbreaking kind of game at, at the time, um, you know, in, in terms of interactivity in the game and what you could do. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I, you know, as as is uh, my, my way, I, I do have an account with Paramount Plus, so I will uh, have to check it out. You ought to, sir. You ought to. Indeed. Well, thank you all very much for uh, all the listeners for tuning in, for downloading, for listening. We we certainly appreciate you coming here to check out our our humble little outpost of idiocy here on the World Wide Web. And uh, it's it's been a it's been a hoot going through into now hour uh, seven of our our show here as we've gone through all of the brackets and finally come down to the bestest episodes of Battlestar Galactica. And uh, you know. I'm not saying that Tim is wrong. Well, he is. Uh, he's wrong. Uh, Act of Contrition, definitely a way better episode than Crossroads. But, you know, don't tell him that. We don't want to spoil anything for him. But I do want to thank... <laughs> See, there you go. There's that, there's that delay on the interwebs that happens every so often. Uh, but th- thank you to all the members of the Free Range EDC congregation for gathering once again. We do so appreciate it. We do so appreciate you listening, uh, for your support, for the downloads, all of that. Uh, definitely make sure to spread the word. Spread the word far and wide until basically people are sick of you. And then you'll understand how our families feel about us. And then we can all gather together in misery. It's, it's a whole thing. It's a process, if you will. Uh, not a very good one or a recipe for success, but it's a process, so you can trust in that. And hey, isn't that always fun? Uh, but if you're not a member of the Free Range EDC congregation, you're saying, you know what? This whole thing sounds like a halfway mix between an MLM scam and a cult. Where do I sign up? Well, here's how you do it. You All you have to do is uh, just subscribe. And if you want to subscribe, an easy way to do it is you go to freerangeedc.com, and all of our episodes are right there, and you can subscribe to the Podbean app or you can just download them all directly. If you're a little bit more uh, invested in one of the podcast purveyors out there, go ahead and search for Free Range EDC. We are on uh, Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. A whole bunch of others. And uh, just go ahead and search for us, and you'll find us. Download all the episodes there and listen to your heart's content, starting with the last couple because then you'll be able to go through the March Madness bracket that we've been doing with Battlestar Galactica, and you'll love it. You'll love it, and if not, it's a great cure for insomnia, so I've heard. So you have that going for you as well. Um, if uh, you don't happen to find us on your podcast purveyor of choice, feel free to email Tim at freerangeidc.com. Let us know where you'd like our podcast to be, and uh, I'll do my best to get it there. And if not, well, you know, you'll just have to 
go outside your comfort zone. Uh, if you would also like to get a little deeper into the Free Range EDC congregation, what you can do is you can find us on the social medias. We're on the Facebook. We're on the Twitter. We're on the Instagram. All of those are at Free Range EDC. If you have a question, a thought, a concern, a suggestion for a show, or just maybe just want to tell, give us a piece of your mind... If you can spare it, go ahead and send that to Tim at FreeRangeEDC.com. Don't send them to me because I personally don't care. Uh, Tim, however, is a very empathetic, caring human being and uh, you know has more than just a lump of coal for his heart, which is where I'm at. So, I, And I've leveled up in our MLM, so I'm now an upstream manager. Just, just for Oh, good. So you're getting like 10% off of everything that I make, right? Exactly. Okay, good. Uh, I don't know what 10% is of zero, but you know, uh, you're welcome to it. Thank you. So now we come to the time of the show where I finally stop flapping my gums and a hallelujah emerges from the uh, emerges emerges from the congregation, but not before I ask the second more most important. Oh my gosh, I'm falling apart in short order here. This is this is going to be fantastic. I I might not make it to the end of the show. I might just gag on my own spit and pass out. <laughs> Which is great because I'm probably going to fall in the direction of the of the cat box. So I'll be laying there and the cat will have to step over me before it goes into its cat box. Which, oh quite honestly, that's the way it's always going to end for me anyways. So <laughs> don't cry for me, Argentina. Just make sure you put me out with the trash. But not before I ask the second most important question in human history. The first, of course, being, what is hip? The second most important being, the hell did we learn tonight? We have learned the following, my friend. Ah, uh, good a list. We have learned Moon Knight is dark, weird, but oh, so good. Looking forward mm. to seeing what the next five episodes are going to bring us on that one. Mm-hmm. We have learned that WrestleMania weekend with, uh, you know, ha- had a few entertaining nuggets in there and some real duds, like a spear out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. We have learned. Vinnie Mac made his money, so it's all good. Indeed. Indeed. And finally, we have learned the man they call Tim correctly. Uh, I'm I'm locking up on what else to say. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) what happens when you don't have notes, ladies and gentlemen? You tried to lay the smack down on me. You just vapor lock totally. (laughs) It's great. I'm just going to going to make my point and <laughs> and line. Does like, someone kick a plug out over there? <laughs> put, him, put him back in the bathtub. Put him back in the bathtub. Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, and finally, the man they, the man they called him. <laughs> The man they called him coming out, uh, selecting Crossroads as his favorite BSG episode, and Uncle Todd, act of contrition, Starbuck-oriented as we all expected, and wrong. The new universal undisputed champion the Battlestar Galactica. You're wrong. Uh, But nonetheless... Uh, finally, uh, we, we thank finally. you. Finally. We thank you. Uh, as Uncle Todd has already said, but as I will uh, emphasize, we, we thank you for going on this BSG galactic journey with us, for sticking through not one, not two, not three, not four, but five episodes. Uh, five time! Bracket-based craziness. Five time! Good Lord. We do appreciate it. We do appreciate it. Five time! It. For we have uh, debated, five time. adjudicated... Me- to make meditated, sure I got all five in there. Enunciated, celebrated, 
and now we're going to get inebriated. Uh, <laughs> you read my mind, sir. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, well, and with all that, we just, uh, as we like to close out, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And because Uncle Todd needs a few shekels to get that Peacock subscription back to watch the best of Roman Reigns, please, oh, God, would no. you hit the lights on the way out? It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Draw me money! Can we help Steven get a peek? Damn! Just a, <laughs> that's it! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. <laughs> get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. Best of Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah. Best of Roman Reigns and his mysterious hair gel. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's... Okay, so Re- Roman Reigns and Randy Savage are the same person? <laughs> I don't know. I just figured I'd throw that in there. Now get the hell out!